How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to your favorite swim bait podcast, Scales and Tails. Tonight, we are joined by a repeat guest, but it's a repeat guest that has accumulated accumulated a lot, a lot of listens over all the platforms, like probably close to 1,300 listens. So I figured we haven't had him on in a super long time, and a lot of stuff is coming down the pipe for, for him and his company. And so I felt like the need to invite him back on and just kind of touch on his, his come up story. And, uh, well, I, I, I'm not going to drag it on anymore. We have, uh, Mr. Jake Rowe from Rowe Innovations on tonight. And, uh, like I said, he's going to touch on some stuff and we're just going to do a lot of talking tonight. So Jake, introduce yourself for anybody who hasn't listened to that episode in a long time and, uh, kind of needs to hear who you are before we get started. Man, we're just going to end up repeating the first episode. <laughs> um hey guys i'm jake from motivations uh, a lot of you guys may know me from instagram we are the guys that make those pretty blue molds um a lot more that goes on here than those blue molds just happens to be what we show a lot of um we are a product design studio focused on the fishing industry um right now a lot of our work is in the swim bait world um you know we work in other industries not just the fishing industry um and not just the swim bait industry, um, kind of span a whole kind of range of industries, but uh, none of that's really interesting to you guys. We'll stick with the fishing stuff today. Um, that first episode will give you a much deeper dive into the specifics of what we do. So if you're looking to learn more about kind of the types of projects that we take on, that's the episode to listen to. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll dive into some specifics today. But uh, yeah, that's a really good episode to learn about exactly what goes on at Row Innovations. Which is episode uh, episode 11, April 15th. So you guys got to scroll pretty far down there. But it's there. And like Jake said, what is that? Uh, two hours and like 40 minutes of pure what the hell goes on over there and, and what they can help you guys accomplish. But obviously, like like Jake said, we, we talked about all that stuff. Um and I also wanted to say Jake touched on the pretty blue molds. I think the coolest thing you guys post is all the renderings. Like uh, for anybody who's ever been on their Explore page and like you see this like super futuristic looking cartoon thing and you press on it and it's like uh, and, uh, like a rendering. I think that's just, I think that's fucking so cool. I love looking at those, especially like the uh, the side-by-side comparisons of what it was like when you guys got it and then what it, what it looks like after you guys kind of do the refinements and, and make it look symmetrical and look good and stuff, I think. I, I fucking love that. When you guys post that shit, I, I like it right away. <laughs> yeah, that stuff's pretty fun to produce, but unfortunately, it's, 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 it's not real yet. It's still fake. Until we bring it out of the computer, it's really just eye candy. But yeah, it is yeah, fun exactly. to post and to compare different models. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun cooking up renderings of the CAD files that we've worked on. Uh, it's just, like I said, there's some, some lying there. There's, it's, 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 it's a little, uh, exa- not exaggerated, but you're, you're looking at something super zoomed in that your eyes would never catch. So. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, like, like we said, obviously, we covered all that stuff, episode 11. And the, the first part of this episode is really going to be, you know, kind of breaking Jake down personally to show you guys that, like, hey, he's not just a guy that looks at his computer for 17 hours a day, uh, working all the time. Jake is a guy who fishes, who has uh, a pretty cool story about how he came to be. I mean, how he got into fishing and that sort of thing. So I'll let Jake kind of start it from the beginning on how, how he got hooked on, on fishing. And then, uh, later down the road, we'll, we'll get into some more row innovation stuff right now. We're, we're focusing on, on Jake's story before row was in the picture. Yeah, definitely. And 
try not to like repeat too much of what we covered in the first episode because we did start off the same way where we kind of dove into kind of how it all came to be. But uh, you know, basically, I said it in the first episode, it all started when my dad gave me a fishing rod when I was about three years old. Um, that's really what planted the bug. Um, obviously, I wasn't fishing by myself at three years old. He was taking me out. We were catching bluegill, um, you know, all the basics. He's you know, he's an avid fisherman, but he's not super, super into it. So, you know, he wasn't like a, a tournament angler or anything. He's just a dad wanted to take his kid fishing and knew a little bit about it. Um, and little did he know that was going to turn into a, a lifelong addiction. And I think that kind of, that's a common story for a lot of guys who fish. Um, you know, first, I guess, real fishing experience I can remember. Uh, I was on a family vacation I was three years old or so, and I thought, like I said, I can't really remember it all, but uh, that was the first time I ever actually went on a fishing trip, went on a boat, and caught a bunch of sunfish. It was like the best day ever, caught like 22 sunfish or something like that, and that was like a big deal for me to be able to go back to the beach where the family was and be like, guys, look at all these pictures of fish, and of course, they all looked like the same fish, because sunfish over and over again. But uh, that was the first time I really was, you know, like, uh, at least I remember that I was on a boat, saw fish coming up to the boat and was like, oh, my God, this is the most addicting thing ever. Um, <laughs> of course, it was just sunfish, but got to start somewhere. Um, you know, that continued on until I was probably about in middle school. We graduated into shiners and some bigger live bait, crawfish. Um, I had just got halfway through Fasan's episode and he's kind of got a similar story to me where someone taught him how to catch live bait and that oh. became almost more fun than fishing itself I thought <laughs> you were going to say you were from Nepal or something and just didn't tell me this whole time <laughs> no no um, you know as I grew older made some friends in the neighborhood uh, other people started coming out of the woodworks that fished a little bit more than maybe my dad and wanted to teach us some tips and tricks. So we had an old timer from Saugus, town that we're from, um, who said, hey, stop buying your bait fish at the, the bait store. You can just go catch this, like, yeah, pretty much, pretty much anywhere. And, um, you know, I discovered what a minnow trap was, just like Fasam was talking about from his neighbor. Um, and we went down to the marshes, and we caught those same fish that he was talking about, the little chubs. They got a bunch of different names, basically used go down to the marsh you find a little channel you throw some dough in a minnow trap you toss it over you wait for the tide to change directions and they're just loaded in there you go home with like you know 10 dozen of these little chubs and you know having access to that many bait fish allowed us to fish a ton you know we were going out every single day we didn't have jobs we were kids we're in like you know elementary and middle school and we were getting really into it just catching tons of fish on live bait as everyone knows it's pretty easy to do right Beat code yeah <laughs> and it's not just bass you know it's, it's pickerel catfish snapping turtles anything that wants to eat those fish we're having a blast so all the local lakes we're going around and just hammering them on live bait and then we realized okay there's actually a little bit more to this fishing thing um you know there's a tournament level to this these guys aren't allowed to use live bait and, you know, my dad always had a tackle box. He threw spinner baits, jitterbugs, all the old classics. Um, but I never really picked them up just because I was always catching fish on live bait with him and it was a blast. Um, it wasn't until it was probably in like 
Your favorite swim bait podcast is now proudly sponsored by Leviathan Rods. Leviathan Rods is a Texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end, made-in-the-USA rod blades. Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only going to feel a difference, but you're going to help make a difference, too. Friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing a depth 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. Sixth grade or so, fifth grade, where I really got into uh, uh, trying out different lures, uh, stuff that we were just taking from, you know, friends' dads' tackle boxes and trying them out. We had no clue what we were doing. <laughs> um, eventually, you throw these baits enough, you'll catch something, right? Spinner baits definitely going to catch you a little 12 inch bass at some point. Right, yeah. Um, so it was like spinner baits and poppers. And you know, we thought, oh, man, like we're catching fish on some artificial lures while our other friends aren't like that must mean we're better right because we figured out how to trick these fish into eating these these artificial lures <laughs> um you know it was true because we were honestly just fishing more than some of our other friends uh, so me and my buddy cory dominic who I, I mentioned in the other episode uh you know, we took things a little bit more seriously and started entering some just local derbies winning some money but they were all from like kayak or rowboat or something it wasn't like serious serious trails or anything right. you know yeah yeah um we won some of those and we thought we were hot shit and we decided to sign up for uh, a couple different youth trails um we're super super fortunate that at this time Corey's dad had traded in his i think it was a bay liner that we never fished out of for a bass boat <laughs> so that was you know, awesome that we had this now at our disposal so we could join these tournaments he was our captain um Every state does it a little bit differently, but we had two different trails that we could join. One was run through uh, like Bass Nation, and the other one was TBS. I think I'm getting it right. Um, There's two different youth trails run by different guys, but a lot of the same kids fished it. Um, And needless to say, we got smoked. (laughs) We were just absolutely like, you know, we were throwing baits that we knew that worked around our house, but now we're traveling around the state. And there's other kids who have been doing this for a few more years than us. And, you know, you can't just go throw the same chartreuse colored spinnerbait you're throwing at the pond next to your house when you go fish a lake across the state. So we, we were kind of just fumbling around the first year or so, just really getting smoked by all these guys with more experience. But that's where the learning aspect came in. You start talking to some of these guys, you maybe go fishing with them outside of the tournaments, you make friends and people exchange info. Um, Fasan also touched this as well. You know, this is when stuff on YouTube, Facebook, more resources were becoming available. So we learned more about different techniques, different lures that are out there, when to throw them, when not to throw them. All the basics you basically have to learn to be a well-rounded fisherman was now kind of at our disposal. There's more resources. Um, and we got better, obviously. You got to stick with it and lose a bunch. Still lose a bunch in tournaments. It's the nature of it. But uh, once you do it year after year after year you hit some of the same lakes you start remembering patterns you start remembering what worked and what didn't work and things started working out for us um we started winning a lot of these youth events um Corey and i end up winning our high school state championship uh back to back that was really fun uh, we got to do some traveling uh the cool thing about these youth programs um they're all paid for i mean you pay typically so nice. a so you pay membership or whatever. Um, 
but a lot of it is through donations from like the actual adult trails. Uh, a lot of these guys are just donating their time and their boat for the afternoon to let two high school age kids, uh, you know, come fish with them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really, really cool. Um, where are we going with that? Uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh no you're good man. we're um, talking about them bringing uh you know bringing us out we were learning a lot oh it's sorry here's where it was you know a lot of the stuff is paid for we yeah, don't have sponsorships yeah, sure. at that age these kids are uh you know we're young we don't have tons of money at our disposal so guys are donating their time and helping us learn um, a lot of the traveling was paid for by the actual uh you know organizations like tbf gave us a stipend to travel down to virginia to fish one of these high school tournaments uh same with down chesapeake bay um you know they, they really do a lot and as great as it is it kind of paints a false picture for how this stuff works right because these uh, expenses yeah, hit when you become an adult <laughs> um so like i said we got super lucky with the people who were helping us out the programs that were you know, running this stuff and we did you know the best we could we we didn't win the next regional tournaments but damn going from massachusetts and you know beating the guys in the new england area and then going down and fishing against some southern boys in virginia yeah we didn't stand a chance i mean these guys just swept us under the rug but they're fishing in their home waters so they got that advantage um but i had never drop shot in 40 plus feet of water that's 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 so foreign to me up here yeah dude, and that's that, how these guys were catching fish on lake philpot down in virginia the first time we went down there and i was like oh that like 20 foot range that i thought was deep okay i clearly don't know what i'm doing down here but uh you know we took it as far as we could my washed up uncle rico stories that we actually got asked to uh fish on a collegiate level they're talking you know scholarships all this stuff uh the school offered us a very nice sort of package for Corey and I to come fish for them and go to school there. But we kind of had our sights set on you know, an actual, uh, not an actual degree, not that I couldn't got, got a degree at that other school, but we had our yeah. sights set on specific degrees that the, uh, that college wasn't offering. Um, so we talked about it and basically said, all right, let's pack it up. Like, this is fun. We can still keep doing this. There's other tournaments we can fish, but is the, you know, tournament angler lifestyle something we're really looking to pursue? Like, we're getting older now. Um, this stuff is really expensive to do if you don't have, you know, endorsements. And even if you do have endorsements, you got to keep on fishing consistently and, you know, finishing consistently, cashing checks, or you're just going to go nowhere, you know? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we kind of wrapped it up. I guess the tournament stuff, or I guess seriously pursuing anything uh, after that. I um, mean, we did win a little bit of scholarship money. Um, it was cool. We got to skip school a bunch. That was really fun. Uh, it was considered an excused absence because you know it, it was, we were fishing for scholarship money. Um, my high school actually didn't have a team. <laughs> I was I went to a technical high school where Corey went to our town's high school. It wasn't even a team at his school. We just made it up, basically, so we could join the tournaments. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. <laughs> uh, so everyone thought I was fishing for Saga's High, and I didn't even go there. Um, it, it was a lot of fun, but like I said, when it came time to, you know, I guess, be an adult, right? Go <laughs> set up a career or something, we realized, hey, 
not right now. But the cool thing about fishing is if you want to pursue that on a professional level, you can do that at age 40. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's not like baseball or something where you got your prime or hockey. You can be in, in really any condition to, to do that later on in life. So we knew it was the end, but it's time to do something else for now. Yeah. Um, we still we're in different local clubs and stuff. You got to have fun with it once in a while and throw some money in a pot and make it, you know, more than just fishing, <laughs> add some competition to it. But these, the tournaments weren't anything too, too seriously. We're still in the club today. Um, it's a great club of guys. We have a lot of fun all within mass and New Hampshire. Um, but it keeps you, I guess, not on your toes, but keeps you, uh, in tune with things when you're actually uh, competing and not just going out for a day on the water. Um, and unfortunately, swim baits aren't always the ticket for that. <laughs> um, it's so hard you want to get people to understand. <laughs> yeah, no. And, you know, I, I love swim baiting just as much as the next guy. I do have swim bait only trips where it's like, all right, just bringing out the swim bait gear today. We're not picking up the jig. But, you know, Sometimes I got to put five in the boat in a very short period of time. So I'm not picking up the swim bait. The swim bait comes out after I get my limit and I'm looking for that kicker fish or maybe in the morning. Yeah. You know, yeah. Hey, there's some big ones cruising. Let's see if it'll hit the, you know, awake or something, but it's not an all day type of deal. Um, I wish it was, but got to be realistic. And being up here in mass, you know, there's a ton of swim bait guys up here. We got swim bait level fish up here. Um, but a lot of these lakes that we're fishing these tournaments on, super pressured. So for me to go out and throw a you know seven to nine inch glide, like am I really gonna get my five fish here? No, probably not. So um, it's funny to say that because I'm the guy who works on all the swim baits. Don't get me wrong, I throw swim baits all the time. They're always tied on. But right, yeah. my, my my weapon of choice is just a straight black jig. But I mean. I completely understand where you're coming from. Not even as, like, obviously fishing is different because fish are going to be always eating different shit along those lines. But, like, I record a podcast, and I record a fishing podcast, mind you, and I don't really listen to many other fishing podcasts. If Cast and Crank has guys on I know or I know of or I want to listen to, I listen to it. Um, well, there's Bass and Brew, and then there's... Uh, there's another one I listen to every once in a while, but it's like, if you're around stuff all day, like a mechanic doesn't work on his own car. Like he, he despises that. And I feel like that's <laughs> the same with me. And I'm, I'm sure that's kind of like the same thing with you. Like you're around this shit all day. Like you're pouring molds and that sort of stuff. And you're like, Oh my gosh, like I don't want to have to go out and look at this thing that I've been working around all day. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I, I also just, I keep it simple. I really do. When we're fishing these tournaments, a lot of times I'm fishing as a team with Corey and I can be like, all right, man, you're going to throw, you know, whatever you want. Uh, you can go crazy with all the different stuff. You've practiced probably more than I got to practice for this tournament. You know, I'm going to stick with my black jig because that works in a lot of places. Obviously not every watercolor. Um, but I'm going to stick with my black jig and my uh, six inch culprit red shad worm, mostly in the New England area. That's my color, that worm. Um, and jerk baits like i keep it super simple but that's for those tournaments when i'm going out and having fun yeah, that's yeah. when that's what that's when i'm gonna go test drive a wake walker or sherpa gill or the stuff that i'm working on i don't know something about using those in the tournament just i don't know i, I just don't do it 
I'll always have one tied on. Um, but when I just want to go out and catch a quick fish, I always have a flipping stick in my truck with a black jig tied on. If I got to go blow off some steam, go catch a keeper. That's what I'll do. I'll bring out the black jig. Um, you know, some of the baits that I am working on, or I actually have in possession, aren't actually like production models. They're not tuned exactly to you know what the final product is going to be. So it's not even worth throwing those. Sometimes I got the shop is filled with tons of stuff, but probably only thirty or forty of them are actually tuned to swim. <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah, they just got bodies just, laying around. They're not they're not able and willing bodies though. <laughs> yeah, just falling soldiers everywhere. Like the the hardware is all different in them, and you know they look great. Don't throw it in the water. It won't swim great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's uh, some tweaks we were doing. Right. I definitely like to step away from the swim bait stuff. Um, not that we only make swim baits here, but right now that is, you know, our bread and butter is the swim bait stuff. So, yeah. What, uh, just, uh, just a question because I don't think you had touched on it really. When you, did you start working like on row and, and uh, refining baits and stuff before you got into swim baits or had you kind of had some swim bait knowledge and that's just kind of, you ended up getting into the swim bait refining process and stuff, or was it kind of like, Oh, I'm working on this stuff. Like I should go, I should go fish it and see, see what it's all about. Um, well, it all started uh, back at optimum, which oh, I yeah, you know, yeah, dove I into pretty heavily in the last episode yeah i glazed over that completely in the, the intro here but um yeah i learned a lot about soft plastic swim baits um at optimum not resin swim baits so i was doing that same sort of refinement <laughs> stuff already i was mm -hmm. working with a hard master you know which was used to make a silicone mold for those open pore style uh you know paddle tail swim baits it's like yep. you know, yeah most guys are familiar with the uh, optimum's boom boom and the thumper oh, tail boom. Yeah, all their baits are hand poured, um, but obviously there's differences between the two. But the actual process of refining is fairly similar because I'm still working with a hard master, making it symmetrical, cleaning it up, and then you know making a 3D print, which we then end up making that style of mold out of. Um, so I definitely had a uh, you know a clue as to what I was doing, and I was also throwing a lot of the depths products, which they're ABS, they're not resin. But I had a clue there. Um, it didn't really click until, um, you know, I was offering these services outside of Optimum. Um, I was working, you know, just doing freelance work. Uh, Math from Optimum wasn't really upset with me offering the same kind of service to other companies as long as we weren't copying his baits, you know. Um, and that's where I started just showing a lot of this stuff on Instagram. And people were hitting me up saying, hey, I see what you do for Optimum. Can you do this to my bait? And I want to say the first well, we started doing some hard bait stuff with uh jason abbott which was our like first client he's one of our friends now um he doesn't have a bait company right now he was basically telling me what he wanted modeled and then he'd go get it 3d printed but i wasn't really doing any of the mold stuff uh it was really just 3d modeling uh our first clients who came to us with a full-on you know refinement project like we do now uh, I would say it was Sherpa and Lanciati right around the same time. Uh, okay. It's funny. A lot of guys think that they're like enemies because they have a fairly similar bait from the New England area. Those dudes are good buddies. Like, right, <laughs> it wasn't, yeah. I always find that pretty funny. But yeah, those two baits were the two 
hopefully I'm not forgetting anybody. This is two from memory that I can say were like our first real refinement jobs where I was working on, you know, cleaning up this resin bait, but then also developing molds. Now these types of molds were new to me I and mean, it was still silicone, but you're manufacturing with a different material. It's not plastisol. Um, right. There's yeah. a lot of differences there. Um, and it's fairly simple. I mean, most guys are making these molds by hand. So I'm like, well, I got some equipment where I could actually make these a little bit more exact for you guys and add some different features that are going to help speed things up that you couldn't do by hand. Yeah. Um, and I learned a lot just from that. Like I said, I was throwing hard baits, big swim baits, jointed baits, slides, wakes, everything, but they weren't always, uh, resin baits. So I had a clue. But it wasn't until my clients really showed me more about the process of making those. So I had never had any experience with it. But I mean, I've had casted resin, done other stuff with silicone molds. So I kind of just applied my knowledge as an industrial designer. And the yeah. stuff that I you know, learned from Optimum combined mm -hmm. it all. And you know, here we are today with that refinement stuff. That's really what we're known for. Good and bad. So <laughs> was uh was sherpa and uh linciati was that like uh you had touched on you know sleep sleeping in your room with your printers going right next to your bedside was that like the beginning of that or was this even before or after like that that point in time uh that's yeah right around that time um i had touched on in the last episode that you know i i had worked at optimum throughout college even high school i was still doing work for them um did an internship with them in person out in California, but then realized, hey, like, you know, if I want a full-time job at this company, it's, it's not just design work 24-7. Yeah, right. Um, you know, I'd be doing other stuff. And not that I was against the other stuff, but it's just, you know, I wanted to go use my degree for what I got it for. And I was being a full-time designer for someone. Um, so I was still doing freelance work, uh, but then graduation came and my buddy was like, hey, my... Uh, place that I internshiped at or did my internship at, um, they need a CAD guy like immediately. Do you want to start salary? I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Um, yeah. that lasted about a year. We both got let go for still to this day. We don't know why there was no reasoning, but it was, you know, everything happens for a yeah. reason, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically just kept on doing freelance work, kind of just checked out of everything for about, you know, three months or so it was just fishing doing the freelance thing. I was like, wait a minute, this is kind of paying the bills a little bit. Like, do I need to get a full-time sign gig? Because uh, I was doing so much of this freelance stuff all from social media and things just kept on piling up and piling up. Um, you know, like I said, I was working with Jason Abbott, a couple other guys, um, mainly still Optimum, but by posting this stuff on social media, that's when guys like Lanciati and Sherpa hit me up. But at the time, I didn't have like a facility or anything. I was living at home. Like I was at my parents' house. I just graduated college yeah, a year yeah. after. Um, and I, you know, I've, I've always been the maker type. My dad's got a garage, a bunch of tools, just room in the basement to do stuff. Like he was all for it. But when you start taking over your bedroom, the basement and the garage, your parents' house, you run the business, they're like, all right, we support this fully. But get out of here. <laughs> yeah, dude, exactly. It can't be running a mold shop out of our house. And it was great because it was cheap, you know. Um, but I ended up getting a, an apartment. Buddy was like, hey, you know, I got an apartment for rent and the basement to be turned into a workshop. So deal. I'll sign. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But sleeping next to the 3D printers, not the healthiest thing to do. I mean, they're not the worst thing to sleep next to, but 
it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I definitely, I know some bait makers and kind of even like, not necessarily myself, but I'm getting to a point where like their stuff is starting to intrude into their home from their garages or from their designated work areas. Oh yeah. Like, oh God, <laughs> it is time to upgrade. I need X, Y, Z and I need all this shit out of my house or like my bedroom. And I just, I just need somewhere bigger. <laughs> Right, right. And it was nice, honestly, because a lot of these printers, like the, the printers that are running now in the background, I don't know if you can hear them. I'm at the shop right now. They might need servicing in a few minutes. I might interrupt you. But when you're sleeping next to a printer that's, you know, different style of printer than we use now, that's very prone to uh, having print failures or, you know, just needs a little assistance halfway through a print. Sleeping next to that thing is real nice. You know, you just reach over, yeah. fix it, go back to bed. Now, when I leave here, you're gone. Shit hits the fan at three in the morning. Well, I got like alarms that go off. I got cameras. I can check on things, but I can't just walk over in my boxers and hit stop and deal with it in the morning. You know. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to share with everybody as I'm scrolling through the the Row Innovations page is, if you guys, I mean, you gotta do a little bit of scrolling. Might feel like a creeper, but it's it's okay. I promise. I'm speaking. <laughs> I'm speaking on Jake's behalf that it's okay if you guys scroll down that far. But Jake <laughs> has some stuff when he was with Optimum and like around iCast time and stuff, and he actually has pictures from like 2015, 2014, 2016 of like the original Gura Gura, uh, the code name Bass, and uh, I do. I just think that's so sick that you like you got to see this stuff in person. And not necessarily ready to go because you can see that stuff has changed a little bit since then. Obviously, you know, it had been like four or five years since they got released. But like just to know what's coming down the chute, like it is so fun to have insider knowledge on what's going on. Like I talk to these bait makers and I talk to these other guys who who do their own thing and we get off recording and they tell me stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I I just oh, my gosh, it's so fucking cool. I'm so glad you told me that. Like it's so <laughs> forward to and like when they post teasers and it's like little pictures and, and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like that's I love that. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a really cool part of working with Optimum is you know, I don't know if a lot of people totally understand Optimum, but Optimum is more than just Optimum baits, like the baits that they produce. Uh, Matt, the owner, um, he's the uh, basically the only guy who can import depth products he's a contract yeah, fan. Yeah. he is the guy who manages all of it. uh anything else that comes into the states is either you know private seller ebay whatever it's he's the guy who's selling it on a retail level to the shops um same with ima uh reigns at the time uh zapu uh madness makes the balm um, you know, he's got these Japanese brands under the Optimum brand, and you know, he's selling all of this to different tackle stores. And when we go to iCast, you know, it's more than just the Optimum booth. We have a huge booth space. We go there where it's all the brands in different sections. Um, and so we have all the latest and greatest or newest stuff that's going to come out um, on display at these shows, um, really just to generate a lot of hype. Um, Depths is a super cool brand that makes some super cool stuff. And even yeah, if they're yeah. not a hundred percent with some of these prototypes, uh, they know they're going to bring it to life eventually and take it to a final form. Um, so they would send some of these prototypes to the show. Funny thing is, a lot of them were just looks like models. <laughs> they, they were not the real deal that were actually tuned to swim. Um, and I was just his intern at these shows too, so I had a lot of different responsibilities and. Uh, basically 
keeping guard of the booth, making sure things don't get taken away, uh, making sure like, you know, mass producers from other countries that are like factory owners that are looking to bother the hell out of you to copy your stuff. Don't waste too much of Matt's time. Um, Basically just shoot people away that aren't supposed to be there. But one of my main things was to watch over those depth prototypes. Um, and people would pick them up and stuff. It's fine. Just going to make sure they don't walk off of it. But it was so I funny watching it. them pick up these baits and be like, oh, my God, this weighs like over a pound. What do you need to throw this? It's like, well, <laughs> that is just a prototype. Uh, one of many. It, it's just it's not real. Like it, it's going to be real in the future. This is just for you know picture purposes. It's that's like it's like a physical rendering. Like that's what it's going to be like. But there's a lot of stuff that's going to probably be changed like internal wise and stuff. Yeah, it's just like a solid block of like prototyping material. It's some of them were carved, some of them were combinations of carved stuff mixed with injected parts from other baits. Like there's shared parts from product to product, like different joint sections and tails. You might see like, oh, that tail is from this bait. It's just on there now as a placeholder, whatever. Right, yeah. Like the, the NZ crawler was the funniest one. You know, the, the big catfish uh, winged bait. It's a crawler. Yep. Yep, the two-piece one. The, yeah, a little two-piece one. It's got that big flat head on it. Yeah, well, that was yeah. a little bit bigger than one of those prototypes we had. And that one weighed like you know, a couple pounds. It was like a brick. I don't even know what it was made oh out of. When everyone picked that up and you said it was a top water, I mean, it's got wings on it. It's pretty self-explanatory. Like, what? I'm going to float? How am I going to cast this? I'm like, well, <laughs> see, this is just a model for display purposes. Um, but it was definitely cool getting to see all that stuff, especially like the code name Bath. That thing had a lot of variations before they actually ended up selling it. Um, that was definitely one of those ones where I'm like, damn, I can't wait to post this on my personal page after the awesome yeah, page. Yeah. So I'm going to get a bunch of likes and follows from this. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was it, the cool part. It was generating the hype from the own page. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bringing people to your page. Did, uh, did you guys have an idea of who the people were like to not necessarily entangle with like as far as guys who own factories and stuff overseas who who might have interest in not gonna say making a ko but you know who who would draw heavy inspiration from the baits that you guys are, are like debuting there that aren't necessarily ready for production yet well at icast it's pretty easy to tell who's who because everyone wears a badge oh, <laughs> yeah that's so right. it'll say like right. manufacturer on it not that everyone's wearing the right tag like it's it's a funny aspect of the show. But anyways, um, it was pretty obvious who was who because it's usually like a group of dudes um, like ready to talk business quick and they're clearly not looking to buy product. They're looking to discuss like making product. Yeah, First yeah. thing they do is they ask for the owners. My job is to be like, why? You know, I saw a manufacturer, not buyer or retailer. So yeah, that's who yeah. Matt's interested in speaking with, not these manufacturers. Um, some of them have a pretty good game plan. Yeah, get you to sit down and talk to them. Other times they're just like spewing info at you. Like, oh, we can manufacture this for you know X amount, and we're gonna make it out of ABS. It's like, no, that's not what this is. Like, you guys, yeah. you can tell right off the bat they don't know what they're talking about. They're just trying to make this product sale. as cheap and effectively yeah, yeah. as possible. They see stuff and be like, oh, we've made something like that before. We'll make this. You know, mm. get over two hundred thousand, but. They're five cents a piece, whatever random numbers I'm thrown there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my job is kind of to push these guys away because you know we that often everything is American made. Some things are 
you know, we, we would outsource to different manufacturers, but like the products were made in the U.S. And that's kind of the appeal to a lot of Optimus, Optimus products is that they're made right here. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty easy to tell who was a, uh, a factory worker. Um, and those guys are as scummy as can be because they might manufacture oh, your it. product for you. Yeah, yeah. But there's no uh, guarantee that they won't turn around after they're done with you. You've done your minimum order quantity, whatever. You're, you're done for the year. Well, they still got that mold at their disposal. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. They're on the other side of the world. Um, you know, you start, you change the recipe a little bit, change the colors a little bit. Start, flip uh, the eyes upside down. Selling some, yeah, flip the eyes upside down and mess with the gill plates, right? And a new tail, different tail too. Yeah, take the TV off the tail. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, That's funny. I was going to ask you was, uh, do they ever mention or kind of uh, get at like, yeah, we're going to sell you this amount or like you got to buy this amount and then kind of in that fine print with that little asterisk and it's like, and we're going to, we're going to tweak it and, and sell it to whoever wants to pay, you know, 13 cents a blank instead of your five cents a blank we're paying you because... I mean, that's that's always what I've been told is happens is like these these shops like have overstock. And so like that's why you see, you know, Gantrell molds. Uh, shit, there's uh, Gancraft molds out there. The DRT molds is like the shops that that uh, are making these baits for these companies. They're just like, OK, like uh, they're not going to buy any more for the year. So we're going to take off the DRT on the gill plate or we're going to. I don't think Gantrell has anything on theirs, but we're just we're just gonna sell it to a third party market on eBay where these painters are buying it, you know, third party at two hundred at a time and just make some money on the side doing it. Yeah, I don't know what the I mean, every situation is totally different, I right, assume. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you got a good good supplier, manufacturer overseas that you can trust, that's what it comes down to is trust. Um, that you know, they're not gonna screw you on that. I don't know if it's in the contracts that like, hey. You know, we're going to front the cost of the mold development here. We're going to set up our machines. You have to order X amount to, you know, warrant us doing this. But because yeah. we own the mold, you don't own the mold, we can do what we want with it. I don't know if that stuff is always uh, discussed. I'm never usually on the, the signing end of those contracts. Um, <laughs> but I know both, both things do happen. Um, where all of a sudden, someone's stuff is being manufactured at the same place and oh they want to introduce this line of products and then that company the manufacturer goes well we already have molds for that we could just tweak a few things and uh take the name you don't have to pay for the uh the mold development there lots of scummy stuff happens um yeah. you know, late, lately you see it a lot and it's not from molds being i guess repurposed or uh people kind of being scummy and offering to produce these blanks after there, that sale has been done, it's people just making connections in China and saying, hey, how much to make this? And they make it. And I say China, this stuff happens everywhere, but let's be honest, a ton of this stuff happens in China. It's a yeah. lot cheaper to get it done there. Go on Alibaba and type in DRT, DRT Tiny Clash, and you'll have five distributors that, that can send you, you know, a minimum of 500 in order. It's like, right. wow, holy shit. <laughs> Right. And what's funny about those, right? So when you go from a resin bait to a mass produced like ABS injection bait, different bait, let's be honest, it's not the same. Oh, it's yeah, it's just, you can't make it the same. You can get damn close, but it's not the same. What blows my mind is when you knock off an ABS injected bait and you, you copy it exactly and you still can't get it dialed. Like everything is there for you. Like the weights are placed in a certain way, different wall thicknesses. Yeah, yeah hardware everything is there bill design the bill slot and everything yeah 
because it's it's something that they they're just they're they're going with the same process over again. You know, they're not going from a resin bait to an ABS injected bait. They're taking an yeah. ABS injected bait and copying it, and those don't swim right. What do you think is going to happen to the resin baits that you just copied? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, for sure. And, and it's happening all the time. I mean, let's, let's not uh, beat around the bush here. It's a guy doing it right now. It just blew up today on social media. And fuck that guy. Like, he's taking throwback bait. I guess he had some sort of conversation with him. I don't know. Allegedly. Um, allegedly. allegedly. Yeah, I'll find out when I talk to Kyle this week. But, uh, you know, he's got some stupid stories, throwing it on social media. And basically blatantly saying, you know, I'm knocking this off. I'm going to make this better. It's like, you're not, first of all. And two, dude, like, what? Like, you trying to make friends in this industry or just yeah, be yeah. labeled as the knockoff guy? Like, way to tarnish your entire business that you've built by coming out and saying, yeah, we're the knockoff guys. And mind, you, and mind you, he, he says that he, he's... I mean, just this is just what he says. Obviously, nothing, nothing that I'm saying or any nothing that you can back up that he's saying. But yeah, it's all on social like, media. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I've hit, I've hit up these builders about painting their baits, and they all you know tell me to kick sand or whatever. And he's like, and and it's it's just it's so weird that it, there's just you know this has happened to him. He's quote unquote like distraught about all this stuff, and then boom, there's just magically a bait that allegedly the the builder you know turned him down on painting his baits apparently and oh my gosh like it's so crazy there that bait that uh i mean let's just be honest like if somebody wanted to like do knockoffs like why wouldn't you do knockoffs of like piz or or you know wait a couple months and do because i mean i guarantee there's going to be knockoff chad chads out there after spro after spro starts making their stuff like right i just i don't see the appeal of going after Kyle in Minnesota. Like, obviously his baits are super cool, but there's got to be something personal there, I feel like. Oh, it's 100% personal. He could have knocked off any other bait. Uh, it's because he had some sort of conversation, apparently. And I know Kyle didn't say, get us, like he, yeah, he didn't. Yeah. And Kyle's not that type of guy. Maybe he did. Maybe he approached him the wrong way. A lot of these guys don't understand how the swim bait world works. Um, no one's really, like, keeping these at an exclusive uh, rate, not producing a bunch on purpose. Like, this stuff is hard to make. A lot of these guys are one, two-man shows doing this on top of their full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, right. These guys aren't price gouging. I mean, the stuff that's price gouging or just ridiculous, in my opinion, is waffle when you see the pages. resale stuff on yeah, eBay, waffle pages, whatever. But that's what happens when you do that kind of stuff. Um, these guys selling these baits for what they're selling them for isn't a ripoff. So much time goes into these baits because they're not ABS-injected baits. They're hand-poured. They're tuned. All that stuff, um, you know, not to get too off topic here, but a lot of tackle shops get upset with these guys because they can't produce enough mm-hmm. to yep. stock their shelves. Well, there's also, you know, you're, you're selling these stores at wholesale. These guys can't take that much of a hit on profit margins. It's, it's not worth it for them to move that volume in the store. It's, uh, you know, these guys are small man shows. They're, they're not trying to, like, limit this stuff. I want to say if most of my clients could produce an infinite number, infinite number of baits, they probably would, right? They want to make those sales. They're not making a few on purpose. Sure, some models, some collaboration baits, whatever. Those are supposed to be exclusive. But uh, I don't think uh, it's like an intentional thing. So when you hit someone up and say, hey, can I buy a bunch of your baits and you know, paint them or whatever? It sounds like what the situation was. And they say no. 
right? Because they can't do that. Yeah, right, right. And they're also going to sell them on their own platform and make all the profits. Why include another middleman? So like I said, I can't like speak too much on that exact conversation that was had, but I know Kyle's not an asshole. Kyle's yeah, pretty exactly. nice to everybody. So that was a personal thing that went on there. It's like, congrats, bro. You have a connection with a factory in China and you're getting stuff made. Like, whoop de do. Anybody who does enough research on the internet and go find a plastics uh, manufacturer over there to do injection molding. That was a personal move. So I, my two, like two things are Kyle's obviously is resin. Like, like we talked about earlier, that ABS mate, that thing's not going to be loud. Like that's not going to have the clack. It's not going to, I, I'm sure no. it's probably, it's, it might be similar to the same bill, but like you probably won't be able to walk it in place or it's just going to have corks that obviously the real thing aren't going to have. And then the other thing was Say you're your bait builder. You you've been building baits for two three years, and this guy hits you up, and you look at his page, and it's just like, oh, like he's never, you know, like Paul would Paul would take the paint off baits like of legit baits and repaint them. And there's other guys who do that, like uh, Smithwick jerk baits. That guy takes the paint off of the baits, and he he pours or he paints them and sands down the bill. Like he does stuff to not necessarily make the bait his own, but it's not a knockoff. He's not buying, you know, a three cent blank. Right. If somebody, There's nothing if somebody, wrong with that. Yeah. If somebody hits me up and is like, Hey, like, uh, I'd like it. Or, uh, it'd be cool if maybe if you sent me like 10 baits and then they look at your, the builder looks at your page and all they're seeing is, you know, knockoff one tens, uh, knockoff six XDs, eight XDs, um, whopper plopper, fake whopper ploppers and, and all this stuff. I'd be like, like, is this the type of guy I want to maybe not represent my company, but like, do I want him to, to put down like quote unquote custom paint on my bait when he's only ever done stuff like this? Whereas like these swim bait guys, like Peyton Stump and, and all these other guys like Stanley Wheat and those guys, like those guys have been doing it for so long. They obviously, they probably got to start in like painting like S waiver blanks and stuff, but people came to them and they were, they were offering like free paint jobs for swim baits and stuff like that. They like, right. they grew a base to it. They just didn't fucking jump into a form or, you know, make a super, super smart ass, you know, just ass post. That's like, Oh, this bait maker didn't want to work with me. So I somehow magically found a distributor or distributor that has X, Y, Z bait. And I just ordered 500. And then you have, you know, a hundred comments and 75 of them are guys like really dude, like, this is you're supporting this and he then he makes a post and he's like oh i burnt a lot of asses on this like i don't you, care you i'm doing your own ass like, yeah, <laughs> dude. oh my gosh yeah and it's like one of these things where if you're gonna knock something off or do something shady it doesn't have to be a knockoff it's like move in silence dude don't let people know who the root cause of it is um especially if it's a personal thing um it's oddly specific for kyle's bait there's so many other baits he could have knocked off um not there's anything wrong with kyle's bait but you know what i mean there's other baits he could have chosen to knock off now there's other knockoffs out there right hundreds yeah, of them yep. and i mean i'm sure some people know who the original person was to do that whether it's the factory screwed up the original company or someone you know got an order of these made whatever but like whoever that person is i'm sure they're not on social media being like up, pound their chest. I can do what I want. I can copy exactly. shit. Like you're just. <laughs> we'll see how this one plays out for him. But uh, we all know how the swim bait crowd works. There's gonna be a bunch of dudes buying this shit, trying to sell it, make a quick buck off of the swim bait industry. 
And there's going to be a bunch of people who do nothing but just shit on it and make fun of it. But I really feel bad for Kyle having to deal with this bullshit because he's put a lot of hard work time into this. Let's be honest. Yeah, like, yeah, really. I'm pretty and, sure this is Kyle's you know, full-time gig. He, he, I know at one time he had some other stuff going on, different career. But I think right now, I don't want to speak for him, but I think this is his like main main gig so yeah, when you got exactly. so kind of doing that yeah he's built a brand around it too he's not just making like one good bait you know he's got a bunch of different baits now and he's got the wood baits and the resin baits and his brand has some personality to it um you know i just he threw something and now you got a guy just doing this it's it hurts to see it really does yeah and i mean it's for anybody who doesn't know jake helped out with the wake walker and you know refining it and stuff Dude, this has got to be, like, just a straight kick to the ball sack to you. Like, obviously, the design wasn't exactly yours, but you helped. Like, you you kind of got it from the baby steps to where it is now. And to see a guy fucking have an ABS version, you're like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you have literally done nothing about this. You fucking just ordered them. Like, we yeah. we built this thing from the ground up. or Well, Kyle built it from the ground up and I helped him like a little bit kind of refine it and get it looking good. And then here you are just promoting it. Like, like it's just another knockoff blank. Like, no dude, like a lot of money, hardships, testing, like for the resin formula and stuff, a lot of it went into this and you're just cheap, cheaping out on it, I guess is what I would say. I don't know if that's the right word, but that's, I don't know. I'm frustrated with it. And that's just, it's just stuff's just spewing out right now. Yeah, no, I mean, as much as it hurts me to see, it doesn't affect me, to be honest. I've already, you know, we work on yeah. stuff for Kyle, and then it goes to him, and it's done. I feel bad for Kyle there. Um, but, you know, as much as it hurts, we all know from, I mean, not experience, I haven't fished one of the TK knockoffs or one of the other ones, but we all know the knockoffs are not as good as the original. Um, so, like I said, let's see how that one plays out for him. Uh, but the knockoff is not going to perform like the original um it's yeah. awake so you know wakes are a little bit easier to copy it's not like a glide which is a little bit tougher uh to replicate that exact uh action but still it's not going to be the same bait it's going to sound different the reason why that tail is shaped the way it is and how big it is um i, I don't i'd love to have one of these knockoffs but if this jackass wants to send me one i'll fish it compare the two we can maybe do a swim bait review on it show why you don't buy knockoffs yeah Unfortunately, unfortunately, I am blocked on his page because I made a choice word comment that apparently he did not like. But it's like, that's the other thing is like, it, it's super shitty, but the people, okay, that's a majority of the people in the swim bait world are going to support the, the builder. Like they, everybody knows that knockoffs, like you said, aren't, aren't exactly what they're cut out to be. They're, they're knocked off. They're, they're a little bit skimped around as far as like certain stuff goes and like yeah look at look at the <laughs> mega bass 110 knockoffs you can buy those for seven bucks and while i'm sure a lot of people buy those especially like painters and stuff or whoever mega bass still sells an absolute shit ton of mega bass 110s i walk into my cabela's you know once a month and they are always restocking the 110s the red eye shads the the xds and stuff like Yes, that stuff is out there, but a lot of people like to buy the real thing, especially if it's like a, on a personal connection, like the swim bait world. Like everybody, a lot of people know who Kyle is. A lot of people know what Kyle does, what baits are his. Like it's shitty, but I, I don't think that potential buyers in the swim bait world are going to opt into a KO, at least 
that's what I hope for. And that's what I feel like the most, that's just my thought behind it, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can even look at it, how it happens in other industries too, like the shoe industry, right? There's fake Yeezys out there. There's oh, fake Jordans yeah. out there. Um, I mean, not that Kyle is Nike or Adidas that he can just force through on sales and say, screw these guys copying us. But like people know a fake from a knockoff. I mean, a fake from a real one. Most of the times they are still going to want to buy the new one. Um, you know, you might buy the knockoff bait because it's a fishable thing, not a wearable thing that people are going to judge you for. Uh, so maybe it's not the best comparison, but still, like you said, people are going to support the bait maker. At least I hope. And there's going to be the guys that are buying those in bulk and, you know, one of the 7,000 other uh, quote unquote custom bait pages out there that just they buy blanks and paint them. There's really nothing that, um, yes, yeah. you know, what, what's another one added to their line of other knockoff? Like it's, it's pretty yeah, clear yeah. when you're, you're shopping at these like Etsy stores or Instagram pages, whatever, they're knockoffs. A lot of the guys are upfront about it too. It's okay. As long as you're upfront about it, I think there's no problem with it. Um, I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> certain baits, I guess there's so many copies of them out there, like different little crank baits and stuff. There's just so many copies of like KVD 1.5, stuff like that, um, where I feel like at this point it's impossible to you know be mad about that. But when you have something that's so specific and so small scale and you go and mass produce it, like... You're just an asshole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that guy, nobody is going to be able to replicate the throwback experience. You're not going to get a cool custom box with a handwritten note on the cover. I mean, you're not going to you're not going to have Kyle's paint job. Kyle Kyle lays down pretty damn good paint in my opinion. You're not going to have that. You're going to have these guys who uh do their own thing, we'll just say, and it's it's not you're just missing out on everything, but We'll we'll get off of this topic because I could fucking talk about it forever. <laughs> yeah, I know. And we said we weren't going to get too deep into this stuff, but it has to be said because that's just so blatant. Like I said, if it was done in silence, maybe we wouldn't talk about it. When you're pounding your chest on social media, like, I'm piss off some people with this, but I want to make some money. Like what? Like you're you're asking for it, dude. Swimbait world is going to do what the swimbait world does best, and that's bitch on the internet. So. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure this is going to unfold into a mess over the next few days, but I'm happy we got to touch on it before it gets too ugly. And I think you're probably, other than Kyle or maybe like Marshall or or somebody, like you're the best person to talk about it with because this is kind of like what you do and you've helped with the bait and stuff. And obviously you help make baits. So like you and working with Optimum and stuff like we talked about earlier, you have an idea of how these guys work and stuff. So like... I feel like I feel like you were a good person to bring this up with. Yeah, I also kind of know what goes into, like you said, making these, and I know that this bait's not going to be the same. Like, it doesn't matter how you try to justify it; it's not going to be the same bait. So, no, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, some people, man. But while while we're kind of in in between this, you know, swim bait row fishing thing, before we get completely into into the row thing a little bit more, how do you? For anybody who doesn't know, Jake is obviously like the CEO of Row, and I touched on a little bit earlier. Jake does a lot, a lot of work. I mean, he'll call me and we'll be on the phone for two hours, and then he'll be like, "It'll be like eight o'clock," and be like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna go home." And he's been at the shop the whole time doing shit while we're talking on the phone. So, <laughs> how do you kind of balance that life between quote unquote, obviously very loosely quote unquote, your nine to five, and and when you want to go fish? Like, is there some days in the summer on tournament days you're kind of like, okay, guys, like 
I'm done for the day. I'm gonna, I gotta go. I want to go fish this tournament, blow off some steam. When I'm really, really lucky, yeah, I get to do that. But there is no work-life balance, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Ask, yeah. Ask my girlfriend; she'll tell you. Um, uh, it's it's work or hanging out with her on the weekends, uh, in between fishing. Um, this has completely consumed me. I love it. I wouldn't ask for anything else. But I haven't worked a nine to five in quite a long time. A nine to five is like a half day. Unfortunately, and I don't say that to, you know, toot my own horn or anything. It's just kind of what I signed up for. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> there really is no work-life balance. Uh, it helps when friends pressure the hell out of me to get out of the office and fish, go do something. Um, but I am surrounded by fishing here, so it's not like I'm totally disconnected from fishing. But um, yeah, work-life balance is definitely something I'm trying to improve on for the next year. Um, and what it comes down to is really just, uh, you know, having more people involved, um, it's very expensive to do that, uh, yeah, pay full timers. Sure. Um, you know, I have a lot, of, I have a lot of help. Um, you know, we have our interns that cycle out throughout the year or different semesters. They're here for about three, three and a half months at a time. Um, we have a pretty close relationship with the college that I graduated from. So I do get a lot of help from those guys, but they're only here for a little bit. And, uh, it takes a lot of training a lot of times to get these guys up to speed um, and then there's also, you know, my, my guys, Jim and Brock, they work remotely. Um, and I have a couple other friends who come in uh, and work on contract and family members come in and help me out here. Um, but it's a lot of just, it all comes down to me. I wear a lot of hats. Um, you know, today, if we weren't doing this podcast, like I'd still be at the office right now. It's about uh, 7.30. Got a couple more hours left in the work day. Um, yeah, yeah. It's kind of one of these things I just... A lot of other business owners do it too, at least ones that I've spoken to. Just work until you burn out, take a nice little break, come back at it. Um, you know, I don't have any set hours I have to work, and a lot of this stuff doesn't need to be done during the day. So I take care of some of the business stuff during the day. But, I mean, as long as I'm in here, I can get some work done. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So it's like, you know, I'll just start off the week coming in early. I'll stay late, right? And then I got to catch up on sleep. So then I come in a little bit later. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I'm showing up at like nine or 10 o'clock, but I'm still staying past like midnight. And so the cycle yeah, goes. Yeah. And if I let it go full circle, I'd be, you know, nocturnal. Mm-hmm. And that's when I right. kind of, you know, try to pop off there, not let that happen. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, work life balance, man. I just don't know what that is right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's i know i don't hate it i really don't i'm not saying that because i'm complaining i'm very fortunate to have something that's it's going for me right now that i can dedicate that much time to um but yeah it is a lot these days that's for sure yeah obviously you know scales and tails isn't on the scale on the same scale or even like not it's not fucking huge or like takes up all my free time but I, I would be lying if I didn't sit at my work desk and, and fill out your guys' envelopes whenever you guys order shit. I'm either filling it out that morning or as soon as you guys order if I'm not doing anything, or I come back to my apartment at lunch, grab the shit I need, like if you guys order something that I don't have in my little box, and then I go back to work, fill all that shit out, and send it out. And I'm like, okay, well, now I get to just go home and, and uh, get to record or do whatever, which is super nice. I'm I'm super lucky that... I don't have stuff that takes up, you know, 18 hours of my day like like you do. Like you, uh, we're actually, so you guys will listen to this Thursday the 15th, and we're recording it on Tuesday the 13th. This was actually going to be recorded what, last Thursday. Is that what we were going to do? Yeah, I burnt myself out and <laughs> yeah. couldn't, couldn't talk. Yeah, 
Uh, Jake, Jake texted me. We were going to do it at like six. He texted me at like five, five thirty. He's like, Hey dude, really hate to say this. And he's like, do you want to reschedule? You were, you were on the phone for like most of the day. Weren't you were just yeah, like, like eight hours or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which dude, that's fucking crazy. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I, I, I completely understand. You were like, I don't, I don't know if my brain is going to work. And then, uh, and we talked on the phone for a little while and two hours later, we're like, Oh, well, we might have been able to record a podcast, but it's whatever. Like, well, we'll just reschedule it. No <laughs> yeah, we were just shooting this shit, though. Uh, I, I don't think I would have been the greatest guest. Uh, I was pretty burnt. It sounds like you had a pretty rough day at work that day, so it was probably for the better. And it's like, uh, not that it takes me all day to get in the mindset to record, but, you know, I got to, like, kind of hype myself up around lunchtime. Like, oh, cool, I get to go home. And, like, I got to, like... I, I, I've i really been working on my talking where I don't use like filler words and I, I don't like, I don't waste words, but obviously that's, that's just who I am. So it's going to happen still. And so like, I'm just kind of thinking about the questions and kind of the flow that we're going to go with the show. And when you text me that, I'm like, Oh hell yeah. And then um, <laughs> we talked on the phone and I'm like, shit, like my brain is just still going. So I called Kyle. I talked to Kyle for, probably about 30 minutes and he had to go, he had to go pick up his kids. And then I called Marshall for, I think I talked to Marshall for like an hour and a half. And then it was probably right around 10 or 11 o'clock. And I'm like, Oh shit. I'm like, well, fuck, I better do something. So I watched a couple episodes of a TV show and then I finally was like, okay, like I, I'm, I'm mellowed out. Like I can, I can go to bed. And then even then, like I just toss and turn. It's like, it's super weird. I have to get into like a brainwave to, to be able to be efficient, I think, and not saying that's a bad thing, like if, if stuff comes up, but it's like, oh shit, like now I got to figure out something to like use this energy I have pent it up and, and ready to go. So talking on the phone helps so much because it's essentially just recording a podcast more or less. Right. So I called you a few minutes early to kind of warm up before we started <laughs> recording. <laughs> yeah. A couple minutes ended up turning to 20. We're like, oh shit. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'll start recording now. Yeah. Jake had but... to go work on, a, work on a machine and then and then we hopped on here and started recording. So it all works out. It works out pretty well. Yeah. And also listening to uh, you know, the first half of uh, Hassan's story uh, was a great way to you know, get back into the podcast uh, groove for sure. And I also didn't want to, you know, I know we were talking about like stories. I didn't want to basically give like the same uh, layout of events. Not that I have my story anywhere close to his insane upbringing, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I didn't want to just hit like, you know, I did this and then did that. I wanted to make it a little different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't yeah. want to just copy that conversation verbatim. Yeah. If, if you guys are listening to this one and you haven't heard Passan's story yet, like go listen to it. Like I, I know I've posted it a couple times on like how, how epic and bad has badass his story is, but it is truly one of a kind. And I would put a lot of money that I don't have in my bank account that you probably aren't going to run into another guy, let alone another guy in the swim bait world that has a story like his, because it's just, it's fucking crazy, dude. And Insane. I'm very lucky that he shared that because I don't know. I'm glad I, not necessarily peer pressured him, but I kind of hinted at like, oh, I want to hear this story. And, and I, we were lucky enough for him to say it, which is so cool. Yeah. And aside from him being one of our clients, uh, he's actually in the same uh, tournament club that I'm in, um, which is funny because he was a swim baiter who made the transition into, you know, like tournament fishing where he's throwing more recreational techniques. Um, so we, we've become friends, you know, we go to these tournaments, we hang out or whatever, and he's local to us. So he's only a couple pounds away. He comes and picks up a lot of his, his duplicate mold orders and prototypes and stuff. And I had him in the shop uh, 
two weeks ago. And, and that was, I always kind of knew his backstory. He told us a little bit and he had an article written on him recently, uh, which was a really good read. Um, and I, I got lots of bits and pieces, but it wasn't until I actually hung out with him one-on-one for a couple hours uh, in the office and got really like deep details where he's been and his like upbringing that he goes over in that episode. And it's, Basically, you can do like a four and a half hour podcast yeah, just dude. on that. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. a really interesting dude and a good dude. On top of that, um, in fact, I mean, what he always says is, "It's crazy that we're friends. Like, it's crazy that like we crossed paths in life because, like, right. think about where he came from. Like, so far away, and the the steps that you know, took place in order for us to actually cross paths is pretty wild." Yeah, dude could be a monk at the base of uh, at the base <laughs> of a mountain doing doing monk shit, but yet. Here he was in this Discord server recording a podcast about these these crazy little fishing baits that he makes, which is so cool. It's just it's so awesome, and that goes like with anybody, dude. Like I talk to some of these guys, and it's always fun, especially if I don't know them beforehand. And like we get to talking, and then we're done recording, and we keep talking, and like they just they're telling me this shit, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I mean, there's more to it than like. If you've been to the gathering, like you can kind of understand, like there's more to it than just right. like, Facebook. Like you meet these guys and you get to talking a little bit, and you're like, you see their family if like their their wife or girlfriend or kids or whoever is with them, and you're like, oh my gosh, like there's there's more to you than just what I see on Swimbait Universe. Like I don't know, it's super it's super cool and it's it's also super fucking weird sometimes. Honestly, yeah. not weird, but it's always <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like you don't just fish all the time by yourself. Like you have a family and stuff, right? You have a job and the family and like, yeah, all this stuff. You're not just a dude throwing swim baits on social media. That, like I said, it's, it's super cool that that that's a thing. Um, I know you guys talked about in the last episode, it's kind of like a brotherhood. This it's not just fishing it's more than that. And it's naturally not just the uh, swim bait fishing. You know, when I tell f- family and friends, like, Hey, I'm going down to Virginia. I'm going to drive 15, 16 fucking hours, a bunch of fishing rods and, uh, yeah, yeah. go to this show and, uh, like, Oh, you selling product? No, I'm just going to hang out. I'm like, Oh, it's a Facebook group. I'm like, yeah, it's the big Facebook group. It's, it's, it's more than that. That's just, you know, who's hosting it. And they're like, yeah, but like, what is this? I'm like, think about it as like a car meet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a big, it's a big meetup. Um, yeah, sure. There's vendors selling stuff but that's like one little chunk of the weekend honestly everything sells out in the first couple hours there's the stampede in the morning and yeah. you just sit around you talk to people you end up going fishing a lot of these guys like live around there and they just let people stay at their house like it's super cool to see what wayne has kind of turned this into uh with universe uh yeah. such universe a whole bunch of different groups out there um but yeah it's so cool seeing people in real life too that you've only known on social media for like five years and probably right. only talked about fishing and then you meet in person and you're like oh nice car man and find out he's a car guy and like it goes deeper than just the swim bait fishing once you uh meet up in person which i think is probably the best part about that weekend really yeah it's so i mean 2018 there was nothing nothing at all and then you know, fast forward, even like during COVID, COVID was number two for the gathering. And then like you have toxic days and you have cast and cranks toy drive. Right. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff that's gotten built up and it's, it's because obviously it's growing and I think people are taking the initiative to 
for it not only to be an online thing. Like, why why can't you go make a friend in Tennessee and talk to him every day of the year and then get to go see him for four or five days out of the year? Like, it's just, it's super special. And I mean, there's other pages out there, not even necessarily fishing pages. Like, there's there's other hobbyist pages out there that that would never even assume or think about doing something like that. Like, people are crazy enough to fucking... You know, Kyle Gracely flew from California to be there for a couple hours at the gathering. Like that, that <laughs> right? I don't personally. That doesn't happen with much other stuff other than this weird thing we're doing right now. Yeah, like seeing some of the license plates that show up. You're like, yeah, dude, you drove yeah. from where? What the hell? You you brought a boat down here? Holy shit! My friend Mike from our club, he's friends with Hassan as well. He he brought his truck and boat down followed me the whole way and he's like yeah i want my own boat for the tournament i'm like damn you're crazy i'm not bringing my boat down here but yeah, yeah. i think there's a guy from washington I, I mean maybe his boat was just registered there or whatever i remember seeing one of the boats in the tournament that had a washington sticker on i was like damn that is that's <laughs> crazy i mean you got guys drive like Bo sprayer i don't I, it's been so long since i've talked to him and remembered his last name but i mean he came up from alabama alabama's not I mean, it's it's close, but it's not like a hop, skip, and a jump away. Pulling a boat, I think his boat is 21 foot, and I remember he had to go pick somebody up from the airport. Maybe it was Carlton or Eric. He had to go pick him up from the airport. And With he's the like, boat. Yeah, he's like, how, <laughs> what am I going to do? He's like, I can't drop it off at the Airbnb yet. He's like, what am I going to do? And I think he, I think he curbed his, curbed his wheel on the boat because there was some, some this, that, or the other, and he was like, yeah, like I had nowhere to put this fucking gigantuan bass boat. He's like, so I had just to lug it around with me for a couple hours before we were able to check into the to the Airbnb. I'm like, oh my gosh, that that's dedication, man. You don't you don't get that. Yeah. I mean, think about what the pros deal with on tour. I mean, that must be a oh nightmare. God. I mean, even when I was going down to Virginia, we were so lucky that we happened to be at the marina we were launching from, and the owner was shooting the shit with us and we told him like hey like we'll be back in a weekend we were pre-fishing so we were driving back and forth a couple times oh and he was like he's like you're towing the boat back and forth I'm like yeah and he's like come on why don't you just leave it here we got an empty space for you like just tuck it back there and lock it and save here I'm like, oh, thank god but imagine being on tour yeah dude. having you know there. And those boats are just like thief targets as well because they're just like rolling billboards yeah, exactly <laughs> and so I don't have a problem with boats. Like, I mean, obviously boat maintenance is, is a very common thing. I, I talked about this with somebody else. They need to redesign the trailers. Like, I feel like uh, something can happen with your boat. You can blow out your, your lower unit or whatever. You still have a trolling motor. If you break the shaft of your trolling motor, you still have the big motor. Like, you can get back to the, the bank and stuff or the boat ramp. The trailer, if you blow a tire, you know, your your wheel bearing blows up, your axle falls out, your hitch pin you didn't put your hitch pin all the way. Like the trailer is the thing that I feel like gets fucked up a lot. And I feel like they could just do something to make it a little bit more efficient. Cause once your trailer's fucked, like that's your anchor. You're stuck there until that trailer's fixed. Oh yeah. It's going on a flat bed. If you want to get it home. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. It's so yeah, shit. It to comes down to maintenance. I mean, that's just part of boat ownership and the bass boat ownership comes with, you know, this is a, this isn't going to sit in a slip for, you know, half a season. This is on the road. This is a, a trailer queen that needs to, go thousands of miles a year it just comes down to maintenance and having spare parts on hand like i, I keep two spare bearings but grease basically you know you gotta you have one bearing blow on you one time you never not have a spare bearing on you ever again yeah Stuff exactly like that. <laughs> but yeah 
Thoughts that's that. And I don't even have a full size bass boat. I got a converted, you know, aluminum that I turned into a bass boat. Even that money pit. Yeah, it uh it's it's lux it's luxurious to have a boat, but it's fucking expensive to have a boat too, and everybody knows that. I mean, everybody knows what boat stands stands for, and it's just yep. <laughs> it's a super cool luxury, but it obviously has its drawback, as with everything. But um so it's better you, to have a friend with a boat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just pay some gas money for it. Exactly. Um, so you had kind of touched on earlier, and obviously I know this because we talk, you kind of touched on getting interns and stuff from this college and that sort of thing. And I don't know if you, well, hold on, before we get into that, what does the 2023 year look like for Row Innovations? Are you guys going to open it up to a couple people? Is your whole year open? Are you guys booked up? What, what's it looking like for anybody who who is intrigued with coming uh, to you guys for 2023? Let's uh, let's finish with that. Let's okay. let's, let's end it with that. Um, it's not a big exciting announcement by any means, but yeah, let's end with that. Is that cool? Perfect. Yeah. All yeah. right. So we'll go. We'll go back to the first thing. I knew I should have stuck with the first question. <laughs> oh, it's all good. I just don't really have a full answer yet, so I'm gonna keep that in the back oh, of my we'll head. I, we'll I have, have an answer. Don't have an exact number of people we're gonna take on. So okay, perfect. We'll we'll get to that, but. If you guys want to hear that, you'll have to listen to the end or just yeah, skip to the end, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you you talked about getting interns and stuff and how, how they cycle through every once in a while, every couple of months when through the semester and stuff. And you graduated from this college that these interns and stuff are coming from, right? Yep. So yeah. we had talked about it. Um, I, I'm just going to let you explain it because I, I don't really know how to word this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We touched on it in the last episode a little bit. Um, Basically, I designed, I mean, I graduated from a very specific design program at Wentworth in Boston. Um, it's industrial design is the, is the major. It's a bachelor of science, four-year degree. Um, and there's a bunch of different design schools out there all over the world. Um, in the U.S., is a bunch. Um, it's a very specific thing. It's kind of, you know, industrial design is just like a blanket term for this type of position. You're a product designer, but... Doesn't mean you're, uh, you know, industrial designer doesn't mean you're designing factories. Uh, you're designing for a specific industry, right? Um, so, with that, a lot of different schools offer that program, but what separates Wentworth from the rest, and I'm just not selling them, I'm still in debt from them. Fuck you guys. Selling <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, still paying my loans. But uh, one thing they have that's different from other schools, which is why I was attracted to it, was that they have a very hands on approach to, uh, the product design where you're not just making pretty eye candy renderings and drawing and, you know, wearing like a little turtleneck sweater and glasses pretending to be uh, Steve Jobs. Um, unfortunately, that's just kind of the, uh, the persona that a lot of designers choose to follow. But um, they're very hands-on. And what that means is, you know, it's more than just designing it on paper on the screen. You're bringing that stuff to life and you're figuring out how to make that not one time, but a bunch of times. Um, there's a bunch of different shops. It's, there's a wood shop. There's a plastics lab where there's 3D printers, uh, heat forming machines, the metal shop. Um, basically, like all the best stuff that you'd find like a technical high school is crammed into this one little department. And with that hands-on kind of program, um, you know, these guys have to, like, in order to graduate, they have to have two internships um, that are paid and in some sort of design field. Um, so I did that. I was super lucky. I did three of those because um, I got to do it a little bit earlier because of Optimum. That just you know worked out perfectly. 
Um, but yeah, these guys have to get jobs and we're lucky enough that we're only like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes with no traffic from that school. Um, so we post positions on their website and you know, a lot of people see our, uh, now hiring things that we put on our stories and it says like, go to witworks.com. That's the website that is specific for those students to go see a lot of those guys follow me. So it's just, you know, a good place to put it. A lot of people respond and say, Hey, can I take the internship? Can I apply? And it's, it's nothing personal. It's just, there's a very specific reason why we hire kids. Um, I know what they know <laughs> or what they're going to school for because I went through that program. Um, so we take on one, hoping to take on two, uh, not next semester, but the semester after. And uh, a lot of these guys don't just do one semester with us. They love it and they end up coming back for a second semester. Um, it's really cool because I, like I said, I did this with Matt. Matt was making baits. I'm not making baits, but same kind of atmosphere, small family run business. And, uh, you know, they're not designing the baits here. They're actually not doing any of the CAD work. They're doing a lot of the shop work with us. Um, and also helping me run the business. It's really kind of funny when I'm like, hey, man, like, you know, today we're going to get supplies. I know that's not really a design thing, but we're going to go to the silicone place and we're going to go buy a bunch of stuff. Or, hey, you need to run to Home Depot and grab this for me real quick. But they do yeah. still have their hands involved in everything besides really like the initial design. Uh, they sit down in client meetings with me. I try to give them that full experience. Right, yeah. Uh, of what it is to run a business. And I admit, I'm only a couple years older than these guys. I'm 28. Guys are like 20, 21. Um, so I feel like it's a really good experience for them because they're kind of just becoming friends with me for a few months. I'm not some like boss that's 40, 50 years yeah. old. It's totally out of touch with them. Like <laughs> we listen to a lot of the same music like it's it works we become friends very quickly in here and we're also working together for eight hours a day every day I was gonna say just giving them that you know full experience what it's like to work with a, a guy who runs a small business will either let them know this is for me <laughs> this is not for me because that's what that program's all about you, you go try out different industries and see what do you want to do what yeah, do you not yeah. want to do do you ever get guys like obviously never seen the job or the intern description i guess probably what it's called or something along those lines does it say you guys are just a design shop or does it say like specializing in xyz like is it a shock when these guys come in and they're like oh my gosh like this guy's making fishing lures like that's that's weird <laughs> like that, i i don't i've never thought about that in class like oh i could i could use this to make a fishing lure right a lot of them have no clue about fishing whatsoever and i actually prefer that right um, yeah but most of them get a solid understanding because we, we post it as like we're a design studio focused on the fishing and outdoors okay. world. Right. Because um, yeah. there's other stuff that we don't post that goes on from other industries. We do some medical work here and there. Uh, we have friends that work in the like race car world and they're like, hey, man, we need some random silicone stuff made. Can you make a mold? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're, 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 we're not just a fishing company, even though we pretty much are these days. I mean, um, shit. So we dad, post it and say my that. dad hit you guys up to to ask about some random shit for for his job. He, he right. was asking, he's like, "Do you have anybody that could like do this thing for me?" I'm like, "Hold on, let me let me send you guys this phone number." I don't know if he can, but he's a good start to figure out figure yeah. out if, if somebody could or not. Yeah, no, it was definitely just uh, not in our wheelhouse. But I, I definitely referred him to someone who might be able to help him. And if they can't help him, then I'm sure they have a whole you know, circle of people they might be able to yeah, refer right, to. Yeah. That happens a ton. I get calls all the time from people like, hey, we met at a trade show five, six years ago. 
I got this company. We make uh, like candles, we'll say. And then like, oh, can you make a mold for that? Of course. <laughs> but yeah, back to the, the posting on the site. Um, they, they, they know what they're getting into for the most part. Because uh, they look at our Instagram, like all the links are there. They, also, the, the teachers uh, have a pretty close relationship with them during COVID. I, I've stayed in touch with them since graduation. It's kind of how it, it works in this industry. Is a lot of those teachers are also business owners as well. Um, so I stayed in touch with a lot of them. And uh, I was doing demos during COVID over Zoom because these kids were all remote anyways. Uh-huh. And my teachers hit me up and like, hey, I know you know an intern this semester, but do you want to like do a lecture and pour some silicone on Zoom? I'm like, hey, yeah, sure. And at the end of that lecture, I was like, oh, and by the way, I'm hiring. The post is up on the website and boom, boom, yeah. boom. We start yeah. getting all sorts of applications. So that was awesome. But uh, yeah. That's, that's give... sick, dude. Do you... Shit, there was a question. I had just gotten up to go get some salami because I got hungry halfway through. <laughs> um, and that, that took my brain off the thought method here. There's Talking about of... interns. Yeah, interns. Uh... Oh, is there ever guys who... Not necessarily you convert, but but they get into what you guys are doing. They're like, oh my gosh, like this sounds like. Have you ever turned somebody into a fisherman after internship with you? Do you know off the top of your head? Um, no, not really. Uh, I mean, you got this guy Christian right now. He's finishing up on Friday, and honestly, I'm 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 I'm, I'm afraid when he leaves. He's been such a team player with us for two semesters now, and he's got to go back to school. Um. He, him, him and I are very similar. There's obviously a big age gap there. Yeah. Um, and he had never fished before. And he was just kind of like asking some questions. Like basically he had no clue how this stuff worked. He's like, I don't get the difference between the big, big swim baits and this other smaller stuff that you call like more recreational stuff. And I was like, so you've never caught a fish. He's ever. like, no, never. He's like, I like maybe like once or something. Like we're going fishing. Um, so I bought him a rod, got him some stuff, set him up for just, you know, not swim baits, but just, right, like, just right, to learn. Yeah. <laughs> and I took him out. He caught a few fish. He thought it was awesome. We, I unfortunately couldn't put him on anything big that day, but we, we caught some fish. It was a good time. And he's like, yeah, that I'm going to probably continue doing this afterwards. <laughs> like now that I have a setup and have a, a clue as to what to do when I get to the water, like, you yeah, can give a kid yeah. a fishing rod and that doesn't really do, do too much. Um, I mean, not that I've here. turned oh. him into a uh, a big time bass fisherman or anything, but yeah. Shameless plug here. I'm sure if Jake was going to get him into swim bait fishing, he'd probably go on Leviathan.com and use code SCALES20 at checkout to get 20% off the rod that he chose for him. But that's just hypothetical. Like, if he was going to yeah. do that, that's probably what he would do. <laughs> I mean, he did use my Leviathan when he was out there. I let him throw a couple wakes and see what it's like to, you know, use the rod to like launch a big old bait out there right yeah teaching him bait cast wasn't the easiest thing oh but just <laughs> putting that rod in his hand after taking the fairy wand out of his hand being like all right put the drop shot down feel this thing he was like are you kidding me <laughs> which i mean i if if you would have handed him like another similar rod i feel like he'd have been like wow and then you handed him the leviathan i feel like wow he's like this is pretty light for what it is but that's just you know, bias opinion, that's how I feel. But anyway, um, <laughs> the thing I was going to ask you was, I think it's, or not ask you, you know, just elaborate on I think it's super cool that they kind of get the whole, like, CEO entrepreneurship ordeal, like having to go run errands or, I mean, I know we had touched on it 
uh, last episode, like they kind of have a hand in the Instagram and stuff like that. Like, I'm sure that stuff, uh, like maybe other companies or places don't necessarily elaborate on. And I think that's like super key to, to like wanting to start your own thing. Like, I'm sure if you would have had that at like optimum, not saying you did or didn't, but I feel like you maybe wouldn't be ahead, but you'd have an idea of like what you were getting yourself into when you first started. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I had such great experiences with, with my co-ops and, you know, Matt took me on uh, before these, uh, so co-op, not to confuse you, is what they call the, uh, the internship program. Hey, um, very, very easy to confuse. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, so I did my co-op with Matt, uh, but I had been previously working with Matt when I was like 14 or 15 in high school. I was learning CAD software. He had uh, given me like a junior sponsorship uh, for the tournaments we were fishing. And I, I saw that there was some screenshots on his website from the same CAD software that we used. And I was like, oh, like, I, I could do this for you. And it worked out. And he gave me the time of day because... And realize this until later on, Matt had a very similar experience at a young age where someone took him under his wing. Aside from working with his dad at Optimum, his dad you know, had Optimum on uh, AAs for a while. Um, somebody else gave him a really cool experience and he actually went out to Japan. Um, and so me kind of like, you know, going out to California, I feel like he kind of felt like this is right to do. I had the experience. I want to, you know, give this experience while a little bit different to another young kid who's trying to get into an industry that's not like, you can't just go on Glassdoor and go find a job posting typically for a fishing lure company. You know, it's, it's a little yeah. bit different of an industry. Um, and so, yeah, I try to give that back. Obviously, I'm benefiting from having employees. Like, there's no, there's no denying that. But they're short-term employees, so you don't really get them as an employee, you know? Um, right. It's, it works out for me, but I think they're gaining a lot more. Aside from school credit, it's mandatory. You know, they're getting paid and they're learning kind of what it's like to, to run a business not that they're doing like you know quickbooks with me or you know doing any of the financial stuff that's kills me and i have to give to my friends and accounting jobs to help me out yeah um yeah. but you know all the day <laughs> literally side quests that's what we call them it's like all right we got to go to some random ass store go find this odd shaped piece of hardware um it's not just come in clock in do your work and go home like we don't facilitate everything nothing falls into place and i think i think a lot of them end up realizing damn jake's fucking crazy bastard burning himself out doing this stuff but apparently he likes it um i hope that at least some of them have learned it's not easy to do this i'm only five years into it too so i can't really talk yeah but uh and that's kind of the the cool thing about it is like they will recommend stuff that I've never even thought of. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Like, we should do that. Or they're like, oh, at my last co-op, I work at this company, and this is how they did their invoices. I'm like, oh, cool, stealing that. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> little stuff yeah, like always that. Always improving. Right, right. So they learn with me, which is cool. Like, this week, for example, the last couple of weeks, we've been – Christian's really cool. Christian isn't afraid to just, like, say, all right, Jake's – not paying attention right now. I'm going to go experiment with something. It might help him down the road. Uh, we've been experimenting with doing this crazy molding process for uh, Mike Gilbert to help him out with a project. And, you know, he's learning with me as I try to solve these problems because this is molding techniques that I've never like jumped into before. And so he's sitting down with me with our silicone supplier, with our other suppliers and kind of, troubleshoot some of this stuff like that's real world experience 
Like, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he, the, this is our, he's our fifth intern that we've had. Um, I think we made the biggest impression on him. I know some guys were definitely like, yeah, I definitely don't want to run a business. <laughs> Damn, that's so crazy. I wouldn't it's- recommend it. As you can see, as this podcast gets bigger and bigger, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, dude, fucking shipping out 24 air fresheners. It's a lot of fucking stamps and writing. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, but I mean, that's... And God that's, forbid you make a profit, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, shit. Um, crap, I was going to ask you... Oh, like, I like obviously, going back a little bit, even though I just touched on it, I think it's super cool that, that you expose them to this sort of stuff because... If I hadn't had some jobs, I know I talked about it before. My last job was um, a corrections officer at a jail, which is probably pretty crazy for people to think about for only being, you know, I was only like 18, 19 doing that. And then I did, I had two years of siding, like siding houses and stuff before that. And now I'm an apartment maintenance guy. And for the last two days, I've just been knocking. I knocked on 144 doors in the last two days and just let myself in and, and talk to these people because we're doing like fire inspections and stuff and we have to get in. and. Let me tell you, those couple of jobs I've had, I've had to interact with all sorts of people from all sorts of walk of life, and it's like, it has helped a lot. I've I've had a lot of people compliment the way I talk, like, um, I, I'm good at, like, keeping conversations going and stuff like that, and I feel like if you have previous previous experiences of stuff that maybe you're not necessarily interested in, but if you cover, like, a broad, like, area of things, like, I never thought I was a good people person, and then people have been complimenting me and, and saying that I'm good at talking and I, I carry my words really well, I flow really good, and I'm like, oh, it's definitely because I had those last two jobs. And I mean, like, like we said, like you doing, you sending them to go do stuff with with a shopping list, like that's stuff that they're probably not going to get at 95% of the other internships. And like you said, you were just kind of setting them up for if they want to decide that they want to do something on their own or if they just kind of want to go get hired somewhere else and, and do their own thing there. Yeah, nothing wrong with either of those. Um, I just, you know, with what we do here, you know, it's I'm a small business, so they choose to work here or they, you know, apply. They, they kind of know what they're getting into. A lot of the jobs, they're kind of categorized on that site too where you know, like, okay, this is an academia type of job. Like, I'm going to work in a school or an educational setting here. Uh, yeah. This is a design firm like they have a million clients they work on all sorts of different stuff or this is a design studio that's like a or a a specialized type of studio uh, furniture maker whatever a small business Um, they kind of know the types of jobs they're getting into because they're sort of categorized and uh you know i knocked out the list if i did the small business thing with uh matt and then I worked at Wentworth at this like entrepreneurial program where I was basically just like the 3D printer tech um, for a semester. And then I worked at Hasbro Toys. So I got, you know, the small business. I got the academia, got to see what it was like to work with teachers um, and students as well. Even though I was kind of in the middle, I wasn't a, I was a student, but I was not on the clock as a student. I was working there, but I wasn't a teacher. Um, then I got that like corporate job bullshit with, Hasbro. That's I learned so much there, but man, I knew I did not a big corporate company like that after my experience. I mean, that was like probably the reason why I decided to start my business. Aside from yeah, that, yeah. learning all the I worked in the model shop there. That was really cool. Um, but yeah, like I got a taste of all these different things, and I found what would work for me. Um, nothing worse than getting a job out of college and having zero experience and just diving into it and realizing, wow, this sucks. 
<laughs> oh, for sure. I think it's always beneficial. I think I've mentioned it before, maybe in different contests. I, I think context, I think it's super beneficial to go a mile wide and an inch deep with stuff, like just yeah. cover a broad spectrum rather than um, go an inch wide and a mile deep. I, I heard that during school one year, and they're talking about how Shit, I don't even remember what it was. They were just talking about how some classes do that and some classes do the latter. And that that just has stuck with me for everything. Like it just you can apply that to anything. You know, fishing. If you're if you know everything about conventional fishing and swim bait fishing, you probably aren't too versed in, in certain stuff. Or if you're only into swim baits, then you're probably not too versed in conventional or vice versa. And I I don't know, I've always just thought that that's held true. I'd rather be a person that's a mile wide and inch deep rather than know a little bit but know a huge extent of stuff which obviously both have their pros and cons and and whatever but i just i feel like i don't know right especially at a young age right too. no it's yeah, all good yeah. especially at a young age too where you don't have the responsibilities of like a family and bills and all this stuff where you can just kind of like dip your toes into an industry for a little bit whether it's you know an internship or just you take a part-time job somewhere whatever um, you kind of have the freedom to move around and it doesn't look too bad on your resume as a young kid, whereas you do that when you're older. Yeah. Like, all right, man, you're just a job hopper here. Job like, hopper, I'm yeah. not going to hire you because you're going to be gone in six months. So um, I think it's because I went to a technical high school too. That was really like instilled in me at a young age that like, they, right. they even had a co-op program in high school. I, they, they brought it back my senior year and I, I did get a co-op, but it's fine. But they had been doing it for years and, yeah, that was awesome. Like kids would instead of going to shop for that week, they would go to their dad's like mechanic shop and work full time there, and then come back to class the week after. That kind of like entrepreneurial slash like you don't need to go to college type of deal was always like yeah. on my mind at a young age. Um, those schools also really prepare you. Like technical schools have always had a bad rap. <laughs> um, it's where like the burnouts would go, right? But now like a lot of these schools, you have to test into them like a lottery sometimes like it's not easy to get into some of these technical schools at least around me um yeah. and yes yeah, so then going into wentworth where again it was a very like hands-on type of like prepare you for the real world from the first year was like such an important experience because like i have friends from other schools that went to design schools that like i do business with now and we start kind of comparing what our upbringing was like like that was different. You you learned a whole different curriculum than I did. Yeah, That's yeah. why we do different things now. But we were still right. we took the same um, and we have the same degree. Let me tell you, if I would have, you know, even gone to community college on entrepreneurship and how to run a business, this show would be a lot different right now. Like it's it's like I'm reading, I'm binge reading books. Like uh, my my girlfriend's little brother is going to school for business. And so whenever he's done with the semester, I just ask him to bum all his books off him. And I just I just read all this shit on how people go about it. And I, I talk to a lot of guys on um, I, I have like a little core group of people that I bounce ideas off of, ask if, you know, X, Y, Z is a good idea or if, how they think it would pertain to the brand of Scales and Tails. And right. it's a lot of trial and error. I mean, even if you do know what you're doing, it's it's still a lot of trial and error and, and figuring out your kind of your your customer base and, and what they want and what they don't like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you want to send me those books after, I'll, uh, I'll read through them because I never had any business classes, like how to run a business in any of my schooling. Um, it was more of like, here's how to manufacture this thing or here's how to represent yourself to get a yeah, job because yeah. you're not going to college. Here's how to interview. Um, you know, I, I was one of the 
there's a chunk of kids that go to college after those technical schools. But it's not really the intent for a lot of those kids. But like a good chunk of us did. My girlfriend and I both you know, went a bunch of my friends and you know, they pursued a career afterwards that required a, a college degree. Um, but yeah, I never really had like we have one class at the end of college, but during like our thesis where no one's paying attention, everyone's just trying to finish their final project. Right, and it was right. like very light, like how to do a PL, how to, you know, do a checkbook or whatever, like just basic, basic stuff that you could just Google. So it was never really like a, a deep dive into it. And I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I just I'll send you, I'll go send day you. by day. Yeah. <laughs> it's working out, but I mean, <laughs> I definitely wish I had the opportunity to take some business classes, but that's why I have friends in my circle who know nothing about my business, but went yeah, to school yeah. for business. And I can be like, hey, this makes sense on paper. Is this how I should do this? It's good to have a circle of people. Like my buddy Teddy does my accounting. He's an accountant for HelloFresh. Uh, he, he just he's good at that stuff. He knows I can't do math for shit, so he helps me out before I go see my tax guy at the end of the year. You got to have your circle. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I think that's very beneficial. I'll, I'll send you some books that I've listened to. I, I'm a big listener. I don't. I don't have time to read, so I just listen to it when I'm driving. But <laughs> they're they're very beneficial to that. Um, crap. Oh, I wanted to talk about because what was it like April? We said you were on last it was around April, beginning of April ish, mm-hmm. early early spring. What I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I don't remember off the top of my head some of the stuff you guys were doing then. But maybe we can go oh, over wow. a recap of <laughs> what you guys have done over the summer, and you know, not to spoil anything that hasn't already been released or just kind of talk about some stuff you guys have did or who some people you've worked, you have worked with since then. Uh, honestly, let me go back to my Instagram. It's all a blur. <laughs> you, know, you guys, uh, you and Paul, his swim baits kind of switched up his tail section for, was it the beast mode? I think is what it was. Yeah. Yeah. We, we posted the tail section just as a teaser, but he has since uh, posted about it. I think, let me double check on that. <laughs> That was just the one I knew off the top of my head that he had talked about, and I wasn't going to take much thunder from you trying to save. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, he posted it. Cool, cool. We can talk about this publicly. Yeah, we slimmed down the, uh, the beast, and we did a couple other modifications, just like different lip angles on different baits. Uh, we've been working with Paul for since I got my start. He was in that first initial group of guys that we worked right, with, yeah, with yeah. Uh, Sherpa, Lanciati, and whatnot. Um, but yeah. Um, you guys kind of refined the, uh, little Jordan too, right? You guys kind of made that look pretty, look symmetrical and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. We, we put that up with him this year. Um, that's a cool little brand. Jared's got a sweet little brand going for him. Yeah, got some unique it, stuff. It is sick. It's super yeah. sick. I like what he's doing. His stickers. I like his stickers a lot. And that's saying something cause I fucking make and sell stickers. I like his stickers a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's one thing that people should look at that are, you know, one of the million new bait makers hitting the scene. Look at how some guys like Jared from Chocolate markets himself, or brands himself, I should say. There's a personality to that brand because he's an illustrator. Or he's a graphic designer. I'm not sure what the actual title is, but like he has a background in doing graphic work. His stuff is very him, you know? It has a personality. Um you know, he's got like the little like cartoon versions of his actual baits. Yeah, uh, he yeah. he's he's really got a clue when it comes to branding and marketing himself. Um, and that's what's so cool about working with him and working on his baits is like it's very unique, it's very original. It's not like you know, hey, 
I got a two piece you know, seven inch shine glide. Not that we don't love the guys we work with and the baits they make, but there's so many of those out there. You know, I've worked yeah, on a million right. of them. Um, it's not as exciting as what I should say. Uh, whereas Jared's like, Hey, I guess this crazy rat got all these wacky contours to it. Like, how are we going to mold this thing? Or I got like this version and this version I want to do. How can we make the mold do both depending on what I'm trying to do a run on this week? Mm-hmm. Stuff like yeah. that. Um, yeah, so working with him is great. We worked a lot of guys. Uh, we worked on a lot of stuff that we just haven't posted yet because it's not done. Um, it's out of our hands, but it's not ready for release yet. Um, a lot of the stuff we did this year was, again, just refinement jobs. That's what's hot right now is these resin swim baits. Um, we've made some weights. We've done lots of the soft plastic prototypes that are just about to go into the aluminum stage for production. Uh, some being made here, those molds, and some molds being made elsewhere. Um, you, guys, whole, you guys did that? some spinner baits, right, too? Uh, yeah, we did a buzz bait for Jay Carl. Yeah, that's a, like a hand tied, you know, basically, that's the only buzz bait I'm gonna be throwing forever because it's exactly what I look for in a buzz bait. And it's also so not awesome. lead tint, it's a little bit lighter. So you can fish that real, real slow yeah, on the like top. And yeah, that was a fun one because Ken's a little bit different than lead. The mold's gonna be uh, the same style of mold, but they perform differently with a lower melting temperature. Um, yeah. Well, it flows a little bit better. So we, we played with some new materials this year, made some wacky molds for other guys. Um, you know, some fun stuff, but it was a rough year, dude. <laughs> I think I talked about it in the last episode. We started out the year with a major like 10-gallon silicone fiasco where we don't, still don't know if it's the silicone manufacturer or the clear coating manufacturer that changed their formula on us, but they reacted with each other on a bunch of moles that we had spent months on. Um, and we got to the finish work, poured that silicone, came in the next day, everything was wrecked. <laughs> so oh there God. was a lot, a lot of stuff that went on, ups and downs, a lot of good stuff. Um, damn, though, burnout this year was like all-time high for me, where it was like every month or so, I'd work myself to a point of like, you know, you go to bed, you wake up and you're still tired. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was a pretty rough year. Um, that's small business stuff, you know, cash flow stuff. It's, it's tough to stay on track, but uh, everything's good here. Super stoked for the next year and kind of just doing things a little bit differently. And I guess that's this is the perfect time to kind of edge into that initial question you asked before. I said, let's talk about you know, school. Yeah. Is yeah. uh, kind of how we're, we're structuring ourselves for the next year. We've already really scheduled out most of the year with our guys. Um, you know, we have such a good circle of dudes who have been working with us for years. You know, they've helped us grow and we've helped them grow. So who are we to turn and be like, hey, we can't work with you. We're going to take on all these new guys. It's just not right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so what I did was, you know, I, I kept conversations going all year with these guys and said, look, you know, like we're, we've been working with you for a long time. Um, we want to continue this. Um, don't just spawn a new project on me. If you've got stuff that's in the works, let me know now. Like, I want to make sure I have time for you guys. Um, and right now, with the amount of guys that we work with, we could have filled the entire year to the point where we didn't take on anybody new. Um, we've been getting hit up for the last 
year basically saying like we're going to make an announcement in december we're going to make an announcement in december and i guess this is the announcement right now we're going to put it on social media and say hey you got to listen to the uh podcast to actually find out <laughs> um yeah we're, we're really only going to take on a very small group of guys looking for refinement jobs um that's super hot right now i know that industry is going nuts it's going to burst sooner or later with the amount of guys like trying to be resin bait makers um, that's just a type of project and a process that we have down to a science. And it's something that we can kind of automate here, right? Um, we've done it so many times. Um, so that's the type of client we're looking to take on. Guys looking for resin swim bait refinements, not soft plastics, not jig heads. We're booked out for all that stuff. As much as I'd love to dig into that stuff with new people, those types of projects are a little bit more. New product development, going from the ground up, like from a sketch to a final manufactured packaged product on a retail shelf, it's a lot different than a refinement job. Not that these refinement jobs aren't super in-depth. Um, it's just something that we have down to a science now. So we are going to take on a very small group of guys uh, looking to become you know, regulars with us. Uh, one project type of guys, unfortunately, we're not really looking to get involved with you a lot of people right now, they're just carving any sort of bullshit, opening up a pre-order list. Thing hasn't even caught fish yet. And saying, all right, 120 bucks. Like, dude, <laughs> why? I see this all the time. Like I said in the last episode, I don't get super involved in social media. I lurk all the time. Phone's open all day. I'm looking Big at stuff. lurker. Big lurker. I don't want to say anything stupid, you know? And it's not worth my time to get into arguments with people. Um. But yeah, we see a lot of that. And unfortunately, we have engaged with some guys over the last couple of years um, that really aren't functioning businesses. Like before, when we first started doing this, we were just kind of working with like, whatever job that came through. We were like, all right, cool. Yeah, you need a mold made? Whatever. Like there's tons of molds to be made. Um, for us as a business that has grown, we can really only engage in other people who are fully invested with their businesses. Um, if, like I said, if you just came up with a bait and you're like, I need my molds made by you so I can go make a million bucks. It's like, well, you're not going to, we're not having the same conversation here. You're not just going to like, and maybe you will blow up on one bait, but there's, we're not going to start your company for you by making some molds for you off yeah. one bait. Um, <laughs> nothing against those guys. You got to start somewhere, but now where we are as a, as a company, we unfortunately can't really get involved with brands that aren't legitimate businesses or aren't. <laughs> you know, being fully invested in by the bait maker. Yeah. Um, you know, most of our clients don't do this full time. And that's fine. I don't expect you to. It's really hard to make a living off of swim baits, right? Um, but if you're not fully invested in what you do and you just want like one project with us and we're never going to hear from you again, it's, it's like, it's not really, trust me, I want to work with them. But like for the future, it's, it's, it's just not the greatest uh, relationship. We're looking to have like a continuous relationship where we do one bait and it's like, all right, cool, resize that. I got another bait I want you to work on. Let's get some duplicate molds. And it's not really hard to get to that level if you're fully invested in your brand. Uh, right. But it's not a get rich quick thing. And we've really, really learned the hard way over the last two years that, you know, some people don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> money isn't the answer. You know, you can't just chuck a bunch of money at us and then, have us make your dream come true. You got to be working on it just as hard. We'll, we'll handle the technical stuff, but the bait making will set you up. We'll make sure your product is manufactured a lot easier than your handmade molds. Yeah, yeah. But you know, we we're, we don't start brands here. We support brands. That I makes think, sense. No, yeah, it definitely does. I think it's it's 
it's crazy that guys can make one bait, you know, super whatever. Their carving abilities can be top of the line, bottom of the line, whatever. And then, you know, they do one pre-order, sell those baits, and two weeks into having an Instagram page and having, you know, 100 followers, they're like, oh my gosh, I need to hit up Row Innovations, and I need them to to make me molds. Like, I, I, I get that. They, they, it's, they, they are looking at our clients, and they're seeing, okay, this is a small, like, you know, one-man, two-man show working out of a garage. I can do that. But it's not that easy <laughs> yeah and we can't and we can't just make you that person our clients are you know the brands that they are today from help with us but like i just made the i prettied up their stuff or designed them some components to make their life easier um they're dealing with everything else just like i deal with everything else here for my business so it's like it's it's a service for other businesses and i know you had to start somewhere yeah, but like yeah. you gotta kind of, I don't know. It's it's hard to say without being a douchebag, but it's like you gotta kind of cut your teeth in the industry before you yeah, no. like approach us. And I don't mean that like in a mean way. It's just we have guys who need us on a routine basis that are gonna just continuously keep feeding us work. It's not even just the swim bait world. We work in the, the saltwater uh, stick bait world a lot, and these guys are producing different volumes of stuff too. They need like constant support. What I always try to tell people is like, just because a project is done doesn't mean it's like done. It's completely out of my hands. Those molds go out. I got to be ready to make duplicates down the road. So we got to be set up for that. Um, They might have issues. They might have different things or little requests like, Hey, this is working out, but I could use another mold for this type of thing. So I still have to be supportive of these, these clients that are making their stuff. Like I just set them up with some moles. They just paid thousands of dollars to do this and invested a ton of time into this whole process. I don't just say, here's your molds, get lost. There's a lot of support that follows up with that. I mean, I wish I could be better at it. Honestly, there's so many guys. If we could just have an ongoing conversation with everybody, I would never get anything done here. (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot more to it than just here's your molds, goodbye. And so taking on too many people, you know, we'll just never be able to uh, provide the best service we can if we spread ourselves too thin, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And I think guys see one side too of it. Yeah, guys see one side of it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're like, I can pay Row Innovations XYZ, they'll send me molds, and I can just keep pumping baits out. Like, I don't have to worry. I can just make a bunch of money. Whereas... A lot of these guys are like, okay, <clears throat> I can do X, Y, Z, and Jake will send me 20, 20 molds that are super good, and that saves me, you know, two days of, of pouring or of, of making my own molds that are imperfect, like imperfected, like his are ready to go, and that gives that gives guys wiggle room because if these guys are doing it full time or if they're continuously doing drops or getting ready for drops and stuff, they don't have much time to. I mean, a lot of these guys have, they're just, their minds are just going 24 seven. They're like, what can I do different? Whether it's on this bait or, you know, a prototype bait that I want to work on, or even just a brainchild where they have it drawn out on a piece of paper where they're like, this is what I want to do, but I don't have time to do it because I'm making new molds because my molds are deteriorating or, you know, just, just any cause of problems. And I think you guys, you're, it's a lot deeper for you guys to help people than what they think rather than just, Oh, I'm just going to have 30 molds and I'm just going to make a bunch of money off it. Like people are using you guys as a resource to kind of take, take some food off of their plate and help them grow as a brand, grow as a business, 
you know, grow as a bait builder in general. Like you guys, you guys take a decent amount of work uh, from these guys who who wouldn't necessarily have the time to do this other stuff that involves building up their their Instagram pages and stuff like that. Right, they got to fish too, right? You got to yeah, actually yeah, have a that. life. I mean, they gotta it, it's not easy. <laughs> and like I said, the, the molds, just because you get good molds from us doesn't mean you're, you're just like, all right, you're in I'm the done. home stretch here. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're good. You're going to start making money. Um, there's a lot more to it, but giving these guys the right tools to do exactly what they're trying to accomplish, you know, it works out. <laughs> it really helps them save time. Um, and I think a lot of them, now they understand but like the first project is where they start learning like oh shit like this goes deep <laughs> we're talking like ridiculous tolerances and different hardware and how we can shave off 30 seconds of the process like i, I like to get a full like scope into how these guys are producing their baits because they all do it differently and in order yeah, to help yeah. them with that process i have to understand their whole process um and so like a lot of them, I think, get scared the first couple meetings once they sign that contract with some of the questions that I'm asking. Like, they're super in-depth. And then it all kind of makes sense at the end. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, that was a super crucial piece of information that I needed to needed to get out of me so he could actually end up saving me hours down the road. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it goes pretty deep. And like I said, it, it continues on after the project. Uh, there's all sorts of support. Sometimes weird things happen. Like all of a sudden, the bait's doing this now. Like, what the hell? I wasn't getting this issue before. And it's like, okay, FaceTime. Let's go. Get in the shop. It's like, we got to help you out here. You're, you're, you're getting ready to drop 300 baits, and now you have a major problem. Like, yeah, it'd be yeah. really shitty of me to be like, nah, man, don't get time for you. Sorry. Like, Sorry, it's going to cost you $50 an hour to talk to me or some shit like that, like a lawyer. Right. Right. And we do do consulting. Like I do consulting work with people every now and then they're like, Hey, you know, I do this. I just don't know how to pour this material, whatever. The only thing I don't really do is tell people how to make the same molds that we do. It's just my thing. You know, it's how I make my money. Yeah. Um, and oh, go ahead. Oh. And so like, I'm, I'm happy to offer consulting for, you know, casting, uh, certain types of mold making. Um, I do some ad consulting too. Um, I teach or I'm about, I've taught CAD in the past and I'm about to start teaching it again at Wentworth next semester. Um, you know, so I offer that type of stuff and that's on an hourly basis, but you know, sometimes there's no hourly basis to ch or charge schedule, uh, on, all right, man, I'm sorry. Like that might be something that I fucked up on. I know you're struggling with it right now. Like, let's just get on the phone. Let's, let's just figure this out. I'll, I'll, I'll make it right. That's part of what we do. It's not not just buying molds from us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shit, there was something. Unfortunately, everyone thinks we just sell molds and we're a mold company. And like, yes, the end thing is making tooling for these guys to produce their stuff. And that's what we show. But like, there's so much to it. Just, just to like get a grasp on, on some numbers for people who, who maybe have tried to hit you up and, and solicit business or whatever. Like, if you had to break down your work week, how much of that is responding to emails, answering phone calls, Instagram DMs, if it's something that the intern, you know, isn't necessarily into? Like, how often are you, like, one-on-one -on -one with these guys who, who you might not have time for people until you're done conversating with these other people that, that are in line first? That's a tough one. I don't think I want to tell you up that number. Imagine. Well, I break up the day, so when I, I when I come in early, that's 
when all the California guys are sleeping, right? We're three hours ahead of them. Yeah. So, um, you know, usually I'm reading my emails from them while I was sleeping. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I catch up on some emails, get some of like the really important stuff done. Uh, I'm terrible with keeping the conversations going with some of these guys. I feel bad. Um, But I don't forget about them. Um, During the day, it's quick phone calls. Really try to keep those quick because I got guys working here. I got to I got to look over them. I got to do stuff with them. Uh, I hop in the shop throughout the day. I'm on my computer all day doing CAD, working with Brock and Jim, um, you know, kind of holding down the floor on the CAD side of things. But, like, I got to keep on going in the shop, checking in on stuff, reviewing work, whatever. Sometimes I'm the guy who uses the paint guns in here. I just love spraying primer and clear. It's also giving me an opportunity to look over some of the sanding work that, that was just done. Um, I really can't get on the phone. I can't hop on social media. Um, the interns, if anyone has hit us up, it's just copy paste stuff. Like there's hundreds and hundreds of messages that come in. Um, honestly, to the point where I've, I've said, Hey man, like don't even bother reading them. Just, <laughs> just say, Hey, if you're looking for our services, here you go. Whatever. I was like, if there's anything that's an inquiry, just send them to the website, whatever. Um, unfortunately just with, how small of a team we are right now, I can't have these huge conversations. I do have meetings with prospective clients and current clients scheduled throughout the day, but they're usually kept pretty quick. Um, those long phone calls happen at night, typically. Um, and that is because a lot of these guys are getting out of their full-time gig and then they're getting into their workshop, rented space, whatever they have, and they're yeah. going to go put in another you know, five, six hours. Um, Fortunately, we're on the East Coast, and we're ahead by three hours. So uh, you know, six o'clock to them when they're just sitting down at their shops in California is nine o'clock here. So yeah, <laughs> those yeah. conversations, honestly, I got, I'm so burnt out from the day. I don't want to do anything else besides just talk, not actually work. Um, so that's when a lot of that stuff happens. Uh, Mike Gilbert, he can talk. Man, I can talk as well, as you can tell. Um, you know, sometimes those conversations where we're only supposed to be on the phone for like five minutes to confirm something, sort yeah, something out, yeah. all of a sudden we're talking about, you know, knockoff bullshit and, you know, all industry problems. Uh, I, I've known Mike for quite a while now. Um, and uh, we always end up on the phone for way too long, <laughs> but it's, it's a nice phone call. It's an enjoyable time. Right. Yeah. Uh, shooting the shit, but these phone calls do go for a long time um and especially when we're helping out guys too because like sometimes you get away from materials to cure it's like all right cool pour that do it this way call me back in 20 when that sets up and we'll, we'll go from there um i try to you know give as much help as i can but some of these guys are three thousand miles away i can't just be there <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what I a mean. day is like here it's you know do as much as i can in the morning where it's quiet bust ass all day and then deal with calls and stuff at night yeah, I mean, fuck. We've talked probably five times in the last two weeks, and I bet you it's been over six, seven hours of conversation of us just yeah, collectively shit. for sure. Yeah. Talking about business stuff and industry stuff. Yeah, it's it, these are good conversations to have. I mean, I, if I didn't want to talk to you, I get off the phone. Yeah. <laughs> one thing we we've touched on a lot, which kind of kind of bring it down a little bit for the episode, uh, is is gatekeeping. Um, you and I have talked about that a lot in the last uh, couple couple phone calls we've had over the last 
few weeks, and I don't know. There's for anybody that doesn't know if gatekeeping is kind of like a thing that you keep to yourself, whether that be you know um, who's making your designs, who how you pour your molds. In in Jake's case, um, who who prints your stickers? Obviously, this is just stuff that I'm just spitballing that pertains to us that we've talked about. Right there. Uh, Jake, Jake will have more to add onto this. He, he's more versed in this topic than I am, kind of. But there's stuff that you keep to yourself, and then there's stuff that that you learned from YouTube or or a Facebook forum or something that that you can that you'll share, and it's no skin off your back. But there's also that stuff that is very integral to your brand, not necessarily you know the make or break, but it might be something that you found yourself or something that you benefit from that wouldn't necessarily hurt you. But like in my case, I don't want a lot of guys using the same artists that I have. There's a lot of artists out there who do swim bait stuff, who do swim bait logos and designs and stuff. And they all look super, super cool. But like my personality, like my whole life and even in the podcast is like being not necessarily being an outcast, but being super unique, like going against the grain and having different stuff and, and just being a little bit different from everybody else. And I feel like I've achieved that with with my um, logo designer, or digital artist, whatever whatever the term is for that. But my stickers are are something that you can only get from my side. You don't see his style everywhere. And like I said, there's a lot of artists out there who do a lot of cool stuff. But also that point of being maybe a little bit repetitive. And so it's it's always nice to be able to scroll on Instagram and, and see something a little bit different. You know, a different style of art, and you're like, oh, that's super cool. And I'll let I'll let Jake dive into this because there's there's stuff that he can touch on that is way out of my realm of of being knowledgeable in. Yeah, yeah, we can go super deep on this. I'll tell you we the details. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, I mean sharing helps, like to a point. You know, you have your group of people that you work with. A lot of bait makers, you know, they they they're. they're they're in like these little clicks of different bait makers, and it's usually a regional thing that they they share information because they they realize they're 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 not competitors. I mean, they are, but they're not. You know, they help each other with paint and different processes. Or like, hey, you got your your molds from Ro. Why is yours a little bit different? And they they exchange information, um, and that's really important. You just kind of like lock yourself in a room and like nobody nobody can intrude here. Um, this is my thing. I'm the biggest, baddest guy. I'm living in my own world here. Like that's that's not healthy. That's not how you're gonna grow. Um, you get to talk to people and learn from people. Uh, I learned so much from my clients uh, and some of the crazy stuff they come up with. And they're not like designers or anything. Um, I teach them a lot. Obviously, part of what I do is just teaching. <laughs> that's what it kind of comes down to. I'm sharing information. Uh, and sometimes I'm sharing information from other clients with other clients with permission, of course. And they're like, oh, no, that's cool, man. Like, we're bros. We fish. Like, you can, you can share that. That's cool. And then it, we end up, like, collectively coming up with something that benefits everybody. Um, and I don't mean just, like, share your resin ratios and your weighting and super unique techniques that make your bait yours. But, like, sharing information is definitely important. And th this was kind of a, a, I don't know, a new perspective for me. Um, a friend was like, kind of questioning me about how I make my molds. He's out of the, out of the fishing industry. And I, I showed him. He's, an, he's a designer. He's like, you could just teach this to people and like have like a workshop or something. I'm like, no, 
This is a very specific process. I laugh when I look at the other guys replicating our molds. A box. Uh, I'm looking it in a box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's easy to make a two-part mold. Um, but scale that and make hundreds of molds on a weekly basis. And, you know, it's a little bit harder. Um, he's like, why don't you do like a workshop and teach this? He's like, you already teach, like, you do lectures for Wentworth. You, you're pretty into like sharing and teaching stuff. Um, yeah, why don't you do this? And I was like, well, this one specific process is something that I figured out to work really well for our process and then work out for the client so we can churn these out you know, as fast as we can. Um, if I give away that, it's not a secret. It's just my recipe, my process. That's not going to, you know, it's just going to give everyone my, my sauce, basically, and they can go do their thing. And he's like, kind of just like, thrown it at me, little jabs about how I need to kind of share some of this stuff. He's always telling me, make a YouTube page, do this. It's like, well, I don't want to be a content creator. I'm already busy enough doing this stuff. Um, sharing this, cool. You get some views, you make some money off that, ad revenue, whatever. There's some guys in other industries doing kind of similar things, like the ceramics world, and like teaching mold making and stuff. Yeah. We talked that's, about that. that's super cool. They got hundreds of thousands of followers and boost their business. So it's just not the type of business I'm really in, at least right now. I'd love to have like a YouTube series where we show how to do certain things. And finally, right, this right. friend who was bad with me about doing this stuff, because I know we should do more social media. He sent me a tested video. Uh, if you guys are familiar with uh, Adam Savage from Mythbusters, he has a YouTube series called Tested and uh, he does all sorts of crazy stuff, but he also does like a Q&A thing and he talks about, um, you know, sharing and gatekeeping and stuff. And it really changed my perspective on like how important it is to share techniques, processes, whatever, because when you share that with someone, let's say they're a good guy and they come back and say thank you and they show you, oh, look, I did it the same way as you. But along the way, I learned something new that you didn't touch on. Are you familiar with this? And you're like, oh, my God, thank you. That's a huge piece of information that I can now use to my benefit, all because I shared that process with this guy, whether it's mold making, finishing technique, uh, anything, right? And, you know, that kind of changed my perspective. Obviously, as a designer, Adam Savage is like one of those idols. He's like the model making god. Um, you can get lost on his YouTube channels a bait maker and just see some of the crazy stuff they make from thermoforming to mold making, etching, all this crazy stuff. Um, you know, I, that definitely resonated with me and what he said. And I was like, hmm, this is important. And then since then, I have seen a lot of this stuff kind of go full circle where I share something. I don't give every piece of the recipe, but most of the main ingredients, and it comes back. Um, and it's funny, a lot of people, especially in the fishing world, they think they got their secrets. It's like, dude, this is being done in other industries. You're just the first dude to start doing it here. Right, yeah. This is an original, like me. <laughs> like, uh, there's mold makers everywhere. I just happen to do one very specific thing that people want. Um, but yeah, sharing is, uh, you know, it's important. But don't share too, too much. Don't give away everything. Because like, now if I go to you, I need some stickers made for something coming up. And I want to get something made, like from your guy. Like he'd probably give them to me. Yeah, but yeah. like now, if I turn around, and I give him to someone else, and all of a sudden you got six swim bait companies with the same exact kind of vibe going on with their graphic work. And that's I can't, you know, 
throwing shade at guys like Goody Wolf is doing all this super cool stuff. I mean, they, they, there's some artists in this industry that are doing incredible work. Uh, I buy the stickers just for the sake of having them on the wall here because they're so damn cool. But when you can't tell one brand from the other brand because like the font is the same or like the illustration style is the same, it becomes a bit blurry, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's not like a bad thing. Obviously, like these dudes that are referring them to their artists, like they have good intentions. They want to get that artist another commission or something. Right. But, uh, it's kind of important to sometimes keep your stuff to yourself, uh, certain aspects of it, but still help people. Like I'm sure if you had a friend come to you, he's like, Hey man, I got a car club. Uh, we're going to do an event and I'd love to get some stickers made. And may maybe you'd give them your guy, whatever, but you could at least walk them through the process of how to go find a guy. Right. You would be like, yeah. this is what yeah. to expect. And this is kind of like the pricing breakdown that they'll give you. Um, you know, there's proofs involved, this and that, um, you know, that's a huge, you're giving them a huge jump start on where to go and go find someone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I did a lot of research to find my, uh, my, my design guy, as far as like the sticker stuff, like getting it made, like, dude, there's like, you touched on being a lot of design guys. There's a lot of people who print stickers for you and it's just, just yeah. you know, finding, finding whoever works for you who has good reviews or who you can build a relationship. And even if it's like family or something, I mean, that obviously works super well. Um, crap there was something that you had mentioned shit i'm trying to think here it was like towards the beginning uh talking about gatekeeping um oh yeah yeah it's kind of like uh like martha stewart's cookbook like she she lays she gives you you know 400 pages of how to make pies and how to make you know fried chicken and, and fruit salads and all sorts of stuff but i guarantee that there's stuff in there it isn't maybe it's a little twist of, of different of what she does maybe she adds a little bit more of this or maybe there's a couple ingredients that she doesn't add into there it's like there's there's wherever you look there's going to be people that kind of have their own way of doing it and they're yeah. going to give you the broad idea of it but they're not going to give you everything you need to make their exact their exact kind like everybody everybody's grandma has their own secret cookie recipe that that nobody else knows about and she'll help you she'll help you make your own recipe but it's not going to be you know grandma's famous fucking chocolate chip cookies that she's been making for for 50 years right and even just the fact that it could be the same recipe just made by a different baker and it's yeah, yeah. a little bit different um you can apply it to so many different things um but like in the bait making world uh, yeah innovations is in our name please be innovative if you're going to bring anything new to the the, the industry uh, don't just look at your buddy who's got a swim bait company and go to his artist and get the same guy to do the same work, set your website up the same way. Um, not that that's innovation, but you know what I mean? Be unique. Um, kind of do your own thing. Talk to your friends. Get advice. They're going to help you. They're not going to stray you down a bad path. They're going to try to help you, but like, don't just copy and make a clone of someone else's company or bait. We won't go down that route, but yeah. <laughs> oh man um, and it's it's like the only reason why we're doing this type of stuff is because someone has you know shared what they did um like the first like i guess like resin guys doing this on like a smaller scale that weren't the ogs a lot of these guys talk on social media they learn from each other i've gotten so many referrals just from clients they're like hey this guy's kind of going down the same path i did uh, can you help him out? And, you know, I don't share what I do with that, 
with client A with client B. It's a totally different relationship. Um, but yeah, you got to share information. You got to be able to talk to people and, uh, you know, experience is huge. Someone yeah, who's been doing this for 10 years is going to give you a lot of insight without giving you away their secret sauce. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. But like you said, you gotta, gotta always kind of keep your wits about you and, and keep, you know, a little, a few special things to yourself. Cause that's ultimately what sets you apart from, from anybody else who, who's doing the same process, but, but doing it a little bit differently. That's just, just how it is. And I think, like you said, that goes with anything, not only making molds or, or getting logos made up. I mean, there's, there's stuff everywhere for that sort of thing. Right. And now there's, there's probably a handful of guys in the unanswered DMs that are pissed off right now that I'm talking about sharing and that they got all these questions that I haven't answered or told the client, uh, the intern, like, Hey man, do not give that info out. Like that is our info. Yeah. They're probably yeah. pissed. But it's like when you come to us, you reply to a story and go, what are your speeds and feeds on that CNC machine right now? Um, what program are you using to post code? What are you doing? Uh, what's your resin mixture on the printers? Like, how are you doing this? Like, very, very specific shit. You know, I'm, I'm not really open to sharing that. Um, you approach a little bit differently and we have never had a conversation and, you know, we, you know, have sort of a relationship there i might be down to share some information with you but when i look at your page and you're just doing rip off row molds it's like nah man i'm sorry <laughs> yeah. there's there's room for both of us but don't make the same stuff that i'm making and use the same verbiage that's on my website like literally just changing around words like i didn't make up refinement projects the term refinement is not a thing right like i mean it's not like a no one owns that. That's just a term, um, you know. But when you start advertising swim bait refinement projects and using all the same sort of terms and phrases that we have on our website, it's like you know, go pound sand. I'm not going to help you. If you came to me in a different manner and said, "Hey, man, you know, I'm trying to do this," blah blah blah. Like, can you help me here? Now I have the opportunity to say yes or no. Right. Or when right. I go look at your page and you're using the little hex pins and stuff and all these, I always talk about the hex pins. It's so funny. Um, there's no need to make hex pins. There's right. no need to do certain yeah. things that we do. And so when I see that, it's like, bro, you're just copying. And it doesn't make me mad or anything. I know what it takes to take this to a full-time basis. I have the portfolio to prove it. So I, I don't really care when I see this stuff. It's just kind of like, oh, that's a bummer, man. <laughs> I'm not going to share the, my, my secret ingredients here with you because you're literally just trying to do the same thing as me. If you're doing something a little bit different that maybe I could learn from too, well, cool. There's some info to exchange there. But when you're just coming and looking for like vital pieces of info, like, we're not conversation. <laughs> exactly. I, uh, people, people, there's been some guys who have hit me up about the whole who makes your stickers thing. And, and I, I help them. Like I, I do some research and I find some guys who quote unquote underground artists and, and I send them to him and I was like this this isn't exactly my guy but this is a type of art that nobody else has and I think that would be beneficial if, if you decide to go with them or I think it'd be cool if you go with them like if it's your style like obviously every bait maker and, and everybody has their own style whether that be like painting style, bait style, whatever so like I, I'm always like I'm just trying to find new things but that that's whatever we're, we're done talking about that <laughs> right it's, it's tough to to come up with new things or you're like i kind of had that idea and then someone else came up with something kind of similar uh, yeah. now i'm afraid to pursue that because it's going to create all sorts of turbulence in the industry 
exactly, dude. You know what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I don't like, I don't like being a dick to guys. Like they ask me, like I'm like I, kind of my thing. Like I, I, I build the podcast off of making stickers. Like I kind of don't want to give you my direct link, but I can, I can help you find, find something similar to it. But anyway, we've, we've talked about the gatekeeping enough. Um, is there anything right. else that you could think off the top of your head that we didn't touch on before we close it down for the day? Uh, we touched on stuff I didn't think we were going to touch on, like the, uh, <laughs> the knockoff stuff. But um, no, I mean, we covered that, you know, we're only taking on a very small group of guys this year. I know that's going to break a lot of hearts and it's going to fuel the dudes who are copying us to start taking on more clients. That is fine. We'll be here for when they come and say, hey, you need to fix this shit. So-and-so made it for me. That's all right. Um, that happens 99% of the time because they're just copying us and they miss you know, vital chunks of information along the way. Uh, vital steps, I mean. Um, yeah, we're going to only take on a very small group. It's just we have a very good core group of clients that keep us busy. We keep them busy. And we really kind of spread ourselves too thin this year, this past year, working with some guys um, that we probably shouldn't have. Um, hate to say it, but that's the truth. Um, so with that in mind, we're taking it easy this next year uh, with new clients. We're not taking it easy with the work that we're doing. Um, we have some huge projects lined up with some of our regulars, um, other projects outside of the industry. Um, we're also have been working on a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I kind of hint with here and there. Just I'm afraid to actually go and post this stuff because it's not finalized yet. Um, you know, manufacturing we are without a doubt diving into manufacturing this year. Um, casting services. I will, you know, announce more of that as time goes on. We're kind of in like beta with it, working with a few clients, producing some of their products um, or components for their products. Just short run manufacturing mm -hmm. stuff that's going to take a lot of our time, but kind of take the company in a different direction because. You know, we can't just do custom design work 24-7. It's just not going to work out. I mean, I've been doing it 24-7. Got to kind of spread ourselves into different services that uh, don't require having a team of designers. We can have other helping hands involved here to facilitate some of this work. So we'll post more about it. Uh, we got some really cool stuff in the works. A few of our local clients. Um, I can't wait to share it. Um, but yeah, it's a different year. Uh, a lot of larger projects, not a lot of small projects. Uh, keeping the circle a little tight just because, I don't know if you've noticed, but like every day, it's been going on for years, every day is a new bait company coming out and they all are just like, all right, how do I get in front of the line? I'm the biggest, baddest bait maker. And it's like, sorry, man, you late to the party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't mean we won't take on more clients in the future. I mean, I I did not specify how many we're taking on. That might be 50. That might be four. Um, we've already started some of these conversations with guys. There will be a little announcement. It might be a sneaky announcement just because there's 300 inquiries sitting in my inbox right now that I'm not going to go through. <laughs> there's so many of them. It's literally impossible to read every single one of these. Um, there'll be a post. There's going to be some changes to the website. How to go about requesting a quote. Um, it's a different year, that's for sure. We're doing things a lot differently. Still doing a lot of the same things, but there's some new stuff in the works for sure. 
Hell yeah, dude. That's what, for anybody who's listening, that's what I was kind of poking, prodding at was, was the beginning of, of Jake's uh, little little talk there was the production thing because I think it's super cool. I think it's awesome that uh, that they're looking into doing that sort of thing. But I digress because I'm, I'm loud and I don't want to spill anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what it comes down to is we have the equipment and manpower to run these molds and do what we do. Um, you know, I, I can't give away too many of the specifics, but like we can help with more than just the design and the molds based on the equipment and space that we have here. Um, and a lot of our clients, unfortunately, can't work with us on new projects because they're so busy pouring their own damn base. <laughs> it's not a bad thing, but like, you know, they really would like to spend time doing more than just pouring baits with their friends in the garage. They want to work on social media, marketing, uh, getting their baits into retail stores. It's very, very hard to you know, produce enough volume to actually warrant retail orders like that. Have your baits in stores. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it will not be soft plastics. It will be all resin-related stuff. It's not like we're just making the baits here. Like it's just, We're handling just like a section of it. Um, and honestly it might turn out to something that we really don't share. It's just a very, like, you know, under wraps type of deal. It's part of our yeah, business. Yeah. Uh, we don't really advertise it because I know it's just going to turn into everyone being like, let me send you my molds. Like, no, it does not work like that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said it, and I, I didn't spill any beans. I'm glad you did that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing um, is, nothing's official. Everything's yeah, in beta yeah. right now, but it's, it's, it's working out. So, uh, I mean, we've done, we've done short-run manufacturing uh, outside of the fishing industry. Mm -hmm. um you know, random casted parts whatever we have all of that stuff here it's just we don't offer them as a service right now <laughs> for oh, the yeah. making world, at least um just some things before before we get jake's closing statements well i mean yeah i'll go over my shit uh tales and tales 2023 is going to be a super cool year um, we got the Patreon set up, so for you guys who forget about the monthly sticker and automatically just want to get entered and get your sticker sent to you, we got the Patreon set up, $5 a month, pretty much a subscription service, so you don't have to worry about, you know, keeping an eye out on the Instagram, you know, Instagram gets buried quick, and so if you don't see it the first day, you probably won't see it unless I post it, so $5 automatically gets you subscribed, gets you a sticker entered into the giveaway. Um, then $10 gets you a subscribe, same thing. Plus you get, I'm going to start doing bonus episodes one, once a month, um, with guys might not specifically be swim bait related, might be, you know, uh, conventional stuff, which I don't have a problem with. I think it'd be pretty fun to switch that up. Um, behind the scenes stuff, stuff I'm working on limited run merch that I am not confident on, you know, publicly releasing, but people, I feel like people who support you kind of are intrigued with what you're doing and, and want to see what you're doing and have uh, have your interests at heart that kind of tell you like, hey, this is a good idea or hey, like, yeah, once you sell these three of XYZ, don't make any more because those are shit. So, <laughs> so there's that. Um, like I said, uh, sneak sneaks of the new sticker designs. Um, first dibs at the stickers, obviously, if you're subscribed. That's about it. After the holidays, um, all the merch will be made in-house. I'm getting the equipment to make all the uh, the shirts and everything and all these other little things I have planned out. Uh, stickers will obviously be every month. Uh, got some got some ideas that I need to talk with others about getting uh, getting figured out. Actually, shout out to Jake because Jake helped me come up with this idea. 
last week when we talked on the phone for, for a couple minutes, a couple minutes, I mean two hours, but got got that idea coming down the pipe that I need to hit some guys up and, and talk with. But other than that, it's going to be obviously episodes every Monday and then bi-weekly Thursdays. It might, might be a little more, might be a little less. It just depends on how guys feel and how many guys actually want to come on and talk. It's always interesting to hit guys up because I'm not sure if they're going to leave me on scene or you know, carry on a full conversation and become one of my really good friends after we're done recording. So there's there's a little fine ground in between finding new guests. But I think that's about it. Other than that, it's just going to be normal normal scales and tails podcast that you guys have had for almost a year now but i want to thank jake for coming on if he's if he's got any closing statements like i said he can say that and uh shout out the instagram obviously for anybody who doesn't follow but other than that i'm done so jake wrap it up if if you have anything else you want to say or mention before we close her down for the night yeah um basically anyone who has any interest in listening to this episode, notice that at the end of the episode, so it's probably not the best time to say it. But to reiterate, you got to listen to that first episode if you actually want to find out what we do here. You may listen to this episode and be like, wow, this kid's kind of an ass. I glazed over a ton of stuff. Uh, more of like the specifics, the types of projects, and how we facilitate some of those projects were outlined in that first super long episode back in April, like 240 or something. Um, but definitely give that a listen you know, we'll have to make that announcement when we post this on social media. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, thanks, man, for having me on. It's uh, basically just like one of our phone calls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> really appreciate you uh, letting me blabber uh, on a recording this time. So yeah, dude, we just we just had to censor ourselves a little bit. We talked about stuff in the phone call that stays in the phone call between exactly and other stuff. But dude, honestly, this one. It might not be two hours and 40 minutes, but it's damn near two hours and 30 minutes here. <laughs> Keep it going. Break that right anyway, <laughs> Yeah. Um, what's the, is it row underscore innovations, the Instagram? Yep. And uh, we don't really use anything besides Instagram. Facebook is, you know, boomer book. It's just littered with junk and I don't update that page ever. But yeah, the Instagram page, we update the stories, we post just row underscore innovations. Every time I pass something on Facebook, I heart react it, and I, I guarantee I have a top top fan badge for Roanovation's Facebook page. Oh, you know you are. You actually are. You and like two or three other people. I don't know how exactly it works, but it will tell me when the top fan does that. I don't understand oh, yeah. the new Facebook business suite. That's why I've just totally abandoned Dude, it. The Facebook is so ass to try to figure out. Like even hooking it up to your Instagram and stuff, it is hard. I had a hard time trying to do that shit a couple months ago. Right, because it's developed over the years where it used to be like different and then now it's like a separate platform for the business suite and it's like, yeah, I don't think Facebook's really where I need to invest any time right now. They own oh. Instagram anyways, so. Yeah, you gotta sign up for some like meta shit and then you gotta, yeah, it's too long, sorry. If you guys are looking to get a Facebook page, good luck because it's, it's a little bit of work, but obviously, as always, I want to thank Jake for coming on and, and dude, we, we talked about a lot of shit, like, I People are probably going to hear, like, see Row Innovations Part 2, and they're going to probably be like, oh, they're just talking about bait building. But we talked about, we had a very broad, we went a mile wide and an inch deep tonight, that's for sure. Yeah, we could have gone deeper, but like we said, we had to curb ourselves on a few subjects, and I'm glad we did probably get yeah. ourselves in trouble. Yeah, exactly. But like I said, <laughs> I want to thank Jake for coming on. Make sure you guys follow the Instagram at Row underscore Innovations. Make sure you guys follow the Scales and Tails Instagram. Scales and Tails underscore podcast. Make sure if you guys are listening and you haven't already for some crazy reason, make sure you guys give the uh, give the podcast a rating on your listening platform. It means a lot. We're so close to uh, fifty reviews on um, on Spotify. 
and we would have five stars. I don't know if it was just some rogue listener or what, but somebody gave me like a one star, and so we've just been hanging at a 4.9 and probably internally debtful to the 4.9 star rating, but I don't care. It's whatever. Rate it how you guys think. <laughs> if it's a three point, if it's a three star show, give me three stars. I don't care. It means a lot when you guys take time and do little stuff like that. But I want to thank Jake for coming on. Um, like I said, if you guys need anything or intrigued, make sure you hit him up. You might not get answered right away, but coming down the coming down the shoot, you guys might get hit up. But thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys had a good time, and I'll talk to everybody next time. See you guys.